0: if you have a dog, if you're thinking about getting a dog, even if you don't have a dog and have no desire to get a dog, reach out to our guest and go attend her canine academy. She's awesome. She will help you and your dog get into shape. She will help you just as a person get into shape. I mean, if I didn't have a dog, I would still sign up for the class just to go hang out with her and shoot some shit. She is that cool. I'm also thinking about getting a dog, and I can say right now I will be signing up for her class as soon as I do. She is amazing. I cannot sing her praises enough. She's just awesome. We also had an additional guest along with our primary guest today. The additional one doesn't speak, unfortunately. I'm sure she'd have some fun stories. Her name is Rose, And if you're just listening to the audio, I highly recommend you at least watch a little bit of the video so you can catch her in the shot as well. But we're just gonna dive in. You guys need to hear what our guest has to say, and I think you will really enjoy it. Be sure to reach out to her. And yeah, without further ado, please give it up for Jana Campilo. Try to keep that, Mikey. Yeah, semi close.
1: So like here.
0: Yeah. How Rose can like check this out. close? Yeah, normally like a fist away. You could pull it up into the side, maybe okay. if that would be easier, so it's not yeah, right in your way.
1: And headphones or no? Doesn't we lie. can do
0: headphones or no headphones. It's your call.
1: What do you think? I like the
0: headphones. Some people are not fans of the headphones because you can hear your voice. Yeah. Do you want to try? it? We were talking
1: about that. I was like, "Well, I'm usually a fan of like going for it. If we're gonna go for it, okay. You are gonna have to stay right here though and chill out. All right. So right side or left side? Good here.
0: I think if you flip it, wires in the back. Yeah.
1: Probably can hear better. How right? does that sound? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like
0: it. I think it adds a cool little flair to it. Yeah, for sure. I'm I can go volume up, volume down. As
1: long as you can tell me if my hair is all jacked <laughs> up. <laughs> You're
0: good. I'll let you know if it changes. Okay,
1: so about here. Yep.
0: Okay. How's the volume sound? I can good. turn up the headphones, turn down the headphones. No, it sounds about right. Sounds good. As long okay. as she doesn't
1: bang into stuff. We'll deal with you in a minute, Rose.
0: Get locked in. I can open up this Saki. You are awesome enough to bring us. This yes. is... I don't know anything about sake either.
1: I like the Junmai sake. Um, it's meant to be served cold. Okay. Like most of the time when you go to sushi, you know, Japanese restaurants, you get the hot sake. But a lot of times, like 95% of sakes aren't supposed to be served hot. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever actually had sake. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, you're in for a treat. It, it'll, it has a little kick to it. He was, my husband was making me laugh. He said, I saw him drinking a Truly, and I was like, I noticed he had a, he had a Corona. So I think drinking is acceptable. Yeah. We've
0: got, you can't see it in the shop, but we've got our little, yeah, our I little like bar over
1: there. Well, the is all just be like burping and you know, so the sucky yeah, it's, it's good cause it's a sipper, but.
0: The Trulys are for when I'm feeling a little more like laid back. It's like, yeah. oh, we're not actually drinking. We're yeah. just like. Having a salt, flavored water. Having a
1: flavored yeah. water. Yeah. <laughs> you want to sit in your own chair? No, why don't you wait here for a minute? You'll have plenty of time to And so we
0: were talking about Rose.
1: (laughs) Yes. Who
0: is our awesome companion here today. Yes, yeah. And you said that you also have her brother. Yes, Levi. Her brother, okay. Yeah.
1: We found a great uh, breeder when we were starting to look again for uh, Boston Terriers. I'm a big fan of rescue dogs and um, raising purebred dogs from puppies, and there's a big difference, but, uh, you know, finding a good breeder that you really feel like is doing justice by the breed. When
0: and not are. just
1: yeah. cranking them out. Yes. So not not your, um, you know, trying to make a profit breeder, but one that's really trying to, you know, keep the heritage of the breed alive. So
0: Big we, difference in just their demeanor or how they kind of behave out, out I, of the gate?
1: I think when you get a purebred dog, you... When you look up, you know, the temperament and you look up, you know, what you're kind of in for, you, you can see what might be coming mm-hmm. and you can choose a dog not maybe based on looks but what your lifestyle is like and what okay. you, what would best, you know, complement your life and also the dog as well, you know. So, you know, raising a puppy is – a is a big deal and um but also rescue dogs are amazing and wonderful we've had probably more rescue dogs than we have had raised purebred puppies um and kind of you get what you see when you get a rescue dog too but there can be a whole complex issue when it comes to raising puppies and rescuing a dog that you have to deal with which i'm sure we'll delve into
0: yeah Yeah. i would imagine well here let's choose yeah absolutely That is so cool. And you don't take this like a shot, I'm guessing. You just kind of... I mean,
1: sometimes, yeah. I mean, the first one, but it's a good taster, maybe like half and get a good taste for the flavors. And this was actually the owner um, of Little Japan recommended this one. I usually take down the rest of it and then, you know, start over. Uh, They're great there. I really like that store a lot. Uh, It's a fun place to go. I'm kind of like a Japanese food fanatic, so... And tattoos. I like the tattoos. I was gonna see. comment on those. Yes.
0: <laughs> well, wow, this is I can already tell this is the start to a great podcast.
1: Oh, very good. Thank you. And I'm excited to be here. So little Japan do you go to Japan? No, we've never you're been. Just a fan that of is Misaki. like a huge uh, bucket list. Like we we have to go at some point. Uh, me and my husband, it's somewhere we've wanted to go for a long time, but um, just haven't had a chance to yet. Now it's more complicated than ever. With yeah, the travel last...
0: across the borders right now is yeah, a little.
1: It's complicated. Yeah, but we're hoping that that'll change. You know, we'll be able to have an easier time with that at some point. We'll we'll definitely get there for sure.
0: Is that the first big trip you're planning after? Everything kind of eases up again.
1: Maybe internationally, yes. Like we haven't been on a plane in a really long time, so we tend to. I hear the masks we te- are off
0: now. You don't have to wear them,
1: which is a good thing. Not a big fan of the masking. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's been difficult with uh, dog training having to deal with masks.
0: Do you have to wear them? How many? Do you have a lot of people in your staff? We should open this up because we've just yeah. we delved in. <laughs> you are with Redwood Coast Canine. Yes. It is your baby. Yes. Do you have a lot of employees with that? Is I have.
1: That- Three canine employees. Okay. And that is it. It's me. Um, obviously I have a, a sidekick, my husband who's very supportive, but it, it's me and my three dogs that we currently have that help me um from a canine aspect. But yeah, it's a it's a one woman show. A lot of people assume that it might be a bigger thing because I do call it an academy, but it is definitely just me running the whole thing. So it's a lot. But I would imagine. I how many it. dogs
0: do you normally have coming in?
1: Uh a lot of dogs in my group classes. So I can be anywhere from, you know, maybe on a low end of 45 dogs per week up to 75 depending on how many classes I have running and how many private training students I'm working with. Uh, so it can be intense.
0: 75 per week, is a, that's a lot of dogs. It's
1: a lot of humans, too, um, to work with and communicate with. Um, the, and they're
0: probably harder to work with than the dogs, huh? Generally, yes. Yeah. yeah. Funny how that works out. The
1: dogs are easier to communicate with um, and to get to open up. You can see them and deal with them, I think, a little bit easier than you can with the humans sometimes. So, But dog training is usually essentially human training. So
0: really, uh, yeah. In what uh, way?
1: Uh, if the person doesn't know how to, you know, react and deal with their dog, and you know, provide structure and discipline and boundaries for their dog, and the needs that that particular dog or breed type or personality, you know, really needs, then uh, there can be a lot of problems that that come up along the way in development, or if they rescue an adult dog, and you know, the balance is all about you know, giving out resources. Uh, in a way that the dog can earn them because most dogs really don't want to just get a lot of love for free they they really like to work they have a working mindset whether it's a hunting dog or a herding dog or just like these guys I like because they are they've been bred for a long time to be companions and so they're really good at just being your sidekick. Uh, and so, yeah, I think a lot of people tend to choose a dog maybe based on looks without really delving into the temperament and what they might have to provide for the dog to keep them mentally sound. So, yeah. That's a
0: big thing you hear with German Shepherds, right? Yeah. those dogs require a lot of work.
1: Yeah. And they're a really popular breed here in Humboldt County. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of dogs like that. They're... There's the herding, the shepherd type, you know, mentality, but that particular breed is actually, you know, they're not very independent. They're kind of a little bit insecure and dependent upon their owner to give them. Uh, instruction and give them a job. So they're really kind of aching for that. So it takes a certain personality to have a really well balanced, mentally uh, shepherd type breed. So, yeah, absolutely. You just have to
0: supply a lot of discipline for that yeah, breed in particular. Yeah, I think so.
1: You know, and every dog's different. So we've had a lot of pit bulls. Um, that's been one of our favorite breeds since we moved to Humboldt County. Uh, and Every one that we've had has been a little bit different. Um, I would say all but one that we got as a puppy were rescues. Uh, I did some good time at Miranda's Rescue as a volunteer. So, and I also worked as a veterinary technician at Fortuna Vet for 15 years. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, so this is, I mean, opening your own academy was right up your alley. It
1: was, it was kind of a shocking surprise when I got started, but, um, you know, all the time spent working with dogs and people in a controlled setting, um, it kind of led up to this, this whole training, you know, division of, of the, uh, the work being kind of a well-suited thing rose we're gonna move you on over to your own seat there so yeah uh the work at miranda's rescue and the vet clinic um, you know created up to eight dogs at one point in our household (laughs) that we had dealing with um but we love them all they're all very different but you do get some breed specific traits and personalities that you know you're going to be kind of dealing with when you get a specific breed of dog
0: i don't think a lot of people know that do they
1: I don't think that they necessarily look into it or perhaps uh, they don't take the time to maybe really honestly look at – this dog's gonna need this, this, and this, but maybe more so. Uh, this is dog's gonna be really cool, or I love the way this dog looks. That's the big thing is yeah. the look. The fad- especially
0: with huskies, it's always <sighs> the look.
1: The huskies. I had a client just saying that two days ago about the huskies being on TikTok and Instagram and all over the place, and you know they're howling and they're yelling and and all of that. And I mean they're they're. A complex dog. They're beautiful dogs. I think that's a lot of the draw for for people is what a dog looks like. You know that can be the initial draw in, and sometimes it's hard to to steer away from wanting that dog if it doesn't necessarily fit your lifestyle. So that's where I can see a lot of clients really uh, struggling to have a well managed or well behaved dog. So
0: when a lot of people come to you, is it right when they get the puppy or is it down the road when it starts getting a little more chaotic? It's a mix. So a lot of
1: people, I think they think I just do puppy classes and group classes, but 50% of my day is spent working with people with really intense issues with their dogs, you know, from aggression, biting, um, dog reactivity. I call it reactivity because not all dogs are actually aggressive towards other dogs, but the leash creates issues. And so uh, my favorite favorite thing to do really is puppy preschool which i just had a new group of human students last night they're not allowed to bring their puppies the first night uh, so they come because oh, you're
0: really just focusing on them Them,
1: yeah and they are re- that class is designed for puppies that aren't fully vaccinated yet so the big issue with with dogs um the, the biggest concern with underage puppies is parvo virus um but uh the The dog's socialization window, they say, is roughly 1 to 13 weeks of age. And once it closes, you miss out on a huge opportunity of socialization ability. They're like little sponges, you know, absorbing all of this information, data, and different things when they're young like that. But we're always taught um, to keep your puppy safe at home until they're fully vaccinated. And so a lot of people sadly miss out on the opportunity to maximize the social window. So I I created this class with my former bosses at Ferndale Fortuna Vet, and uh, we talked about how to make a safe environment for puppies to come if they're not fully vaccinated. So having an indoor location to train. Uh, having the owners informed about Parvo and having the mandatory orientation where they don't bring the puppies. Checking and monitoring the vaccine status of the puppy for Parvo. It's really my main concern. I'm not worried about them getting rabies necessarily, things like that. But uh, And then also having the puppies come and learn how to be around other dogs right away. So we do off-leash play. Uh, We do a lot of basic training cues. One thing I do is I go in before the class starts and I sanitize the entire room. Not even necessarily for the humans' sake, but that turned into a bigger issue the last couple years for COVID. Um, But bleach kills parvo very easily, um, but not outside in the dirt and in the ground. So I can have people carry their puppies into a room that I've cleaned, and as long as everybody's. Uh, kept their puppies safe outside of the classroom by keeping them from being in a public location then they're perfectly safe from parvo
0: and what is parvo is that a dog-to-dog it is it's dog-to-dog
1: virus Uh, it's been around a long time and it's really resilient in the dirt and the ground so it can live in the ground for up to six months Is it Uh,
0: like a fecal matter thing? It is. Okay. That's the big one, right? I told
1: people last night. It's poop to mouth. Yeah. And puppies love to put dirt and grass and all kinds of things in their mouth. So uh, that's where the issue lies. But it's really, you know, it can't be passed on from humans to dogs or cats or birds uh, in your own yard and family members or friends' yards and places like that. If you carry your puppy places, they can't get it. It's when they're spending time outside in public locations. Uh, so that's when they're at risk for it. But once their series of vaccinations are over, you know, most dogs are pretty well covered. They do have to have boosters from time to time, but it, um, but those puppy boosters are the most important ones for that one.
0: And is that life-threatening, Parvo?
1: Yeah. Okay. Spending all those years at the vet clinic, it's pretty tough to watch puppies have to fight that um, at the vet clinic, being on IVs. And it it attacks the digestive tract. And so they're pretty miserable and they get dehydrated really quickly and they can't keep food down. And uh, so that's, you know, it's pretty tough when they get it. You don't see it a lot as long as people um, are doing what they're supposed to and being cautious. What you do see more of is dogs being relinquished to shelters and being euthanized at adulthood because of behavior issues. So that's why I feel like the risk taken to do a, a class like that over parvo versus behavior issues down the road there's a huge advantage to doing it and a big reason to make sure that you get your puppy out in a safe way as soon as possible if you're going to choose a puppy you need to hit the ground running right away
0: if you miss that 13 week window is that is that kind of not necessarily a guarantee but it starts edging more towards it being a violent dog
1: not necessarily violent, but, um, you know, even fearful dogs. So if a puppy comes to class and they're terrified of everybody else in the room and the other dogs, those are the ones that, I, for me, are the most fun ones to, to, to watch over the – it's a five-week course, so they're there for four weeks, just an hour once a week. You can see these amazing transformations in, like, that really shy puppy. And then there's a person that shows up with a the puppy they're, like, terrified of because they're a total maniac – uh, and uh, they're just looking for somebody to help them wrangle their tiny beast before it gets too big. Uh, large breed dogs are really, really uh, attractive to people here in Humboldt. I see more of them than I do s- small breed dogs. I think part of that too, though, is people with small breed dogs tend to not feel the need or or urge to do training early because they're little. Um, yeah, you feel like you
0: can take it. Yeah. If a pit bull goes sideways, it's a little more you're risky. Like, mm, but...
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, for
0: your. If a Yorkie is a little aggressive, it's like, okay, just don't touch him. Yeah. You're like, him or the
1: people just like, oh, pick him up. Yeah. If he's acting like a jerk and, you know, carry him off. Yeah. Or you can't. Yeah,
0: put him in your purse and walk away. Like, you
1: can't do that with with a large freed dog. Yeah. But I sure love seeing small small dogs in classes too because I feel like they definitely, they need it just as much as any other dog for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to reach for my cup here.
0: Yeah, no, you're good. This is really good, actually. You like it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's kind of nice and clean, a little crisp.
0: It's very refreshing, too. Yes. And sake is just rice wine. or Essentially,
1: yeah, fermented rice. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert, again.
0: (laughs) All your trips to Japan, I was going to quiz you. Right?
1: Oh, I want to go so badly, yes. My
0: sister went when she was, I believe in high school, she went with a group from the high school, and they went out there for, I believe, the summer Mm-hmm. Um, like an exchange program. And then we had them come over, an exchange student come over from Japan and stay with us. Oh,
1: that's interesting. Yeah, it was
0: a really cool cultural perspective. Of, yeah, I oh, bet. This is a completely different world for them.
1: I haven't spent a lot of time with, you know, Japanese people in particular, but I think the obsession started when I was really young because my grandma went to Japan a couple of times when I was really, really young. And so, you know, most of the things in her house were from Japan. And so everything I, I saw and she taught me about, she was a big fan of sake. <laughs> uh, was about, all about Japan. And then me and my husband, we have this picture um, up in our living room of my grandpa. He was in World War II and ended up – he was in the, in the Navy and ended up in Japan eventually um, at the end of the war. And there's a picture of him in his uniform about this big – underneath this big giant – Um, Buddhist statue. So I think some of the things that I just saw and observed as a small child. Yeah, definitely. And then my husband, I think he got into the Japanese tattooing. um, But a little before me, I got tattoos first, but just not the best choices as a teenager. But he specifically chose Japanese tattoos when he kind of got started working on his sleeves and stuff like that. So eventually, I kind of got into that as well.
0: Is that a specific style like on your arm there? Is that... It what is kind of like style? the
1: Japanese style. Yeah, it's mostly um, one artist. He's Brian Kaneko, great guy. He's at True Nature Tattoo in Arcata. He's half Japanese. Um, he's kind of the guru of I I would say of Japanese tattooing here in Humboldt County. Um, and, but it, it got started with him years ago, way up here with this with this little section of chrysanthemums, and it's just morph- that is an
0: awesome sleeve by the way. Morphed, yes. Yeah.
1: It's, I was able to finish it actually during COVID, which was really nice. Eventually, he was able to open his studio back up, and um, I had a a, a Japanese uh, artist come over, and he did a spot in his shop for a while several years ago and that's where I got this first goldfish and so he kind of posted that guy right there and then Brian has filled the rest in so it all it's very cohesive now yeah but at the time it was a lot of just little pieces you know so yeah we're big fans of tattoos for sure
0: (laughs) yeah I've I want I'm eventually going to get one I just don't want to be that guy that gets one at 24, and it's like this was yeah. not well, a good decision. How old are you, if you I'm don't mind me asking? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm getting to the age where I think I would make a, a smart decision and yeah. not get something I regret. But
1: I think that you're like your younger generation, it seems like you guys definitely wait longer and like think harder on it than, mm-hmm. you know, being I'm 42. So it's like, just get out there and get just some. Get and I have some ridiculous tattoos. I have like a tiny dolphin on my big toe, which was my first tattoo. It's like, why would you get a dolphin yeah. on your toe? Right. <laughs> But it was, at the time, it was fine. I'm not big on, like, lasering them off or covering them up. Um, my husband does have one cover-up, but it was to have a whole back piece. So it was for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think being thoughtful about getting them, if you want to make sure that you do it correctly, is, is smart. It's wise. Sometimes people, I think, wait too long. So And then you
0: age out. And it's yeah. like, what? Well, do you want to be 60 and get your first tattoo? Yeah,
1: your skin should be, you know, ready for it. And you yeah. should be young enough, too. But, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, yeah, I think it's smart to think it out too, you know, not just go for it.
0: Uh, Yeah, the thinking out of what I want is big. And I also want to make sure I find a good artist. Because I've seen some great concepts for tattoos, and then they're just not implemented that well. I think that's the most
1: important thing, finding somebody that is also good at what you want. So not expecting every artist to be good at everything. everything. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, when somebody gets to a point like Brian did with um, specializing in just that, like he's not... He's probably not, you know, trying to do, you know, black and gray or, you know, all American and stuff like that. He has other people come into his shop and, you know, do what they do best, too. So, yeah, having an expert artist working on certain things. Helps. Definitely. It helps. It makes a difference. Absolutely. Yes.
0: What's interesting about Japan is that they're not fond of tattoos right is that yakuza thing still in place yeah
1: and also i think it's like a social thing where um even now i've we've done some research on they still would expect you to cover up your tattoos it is a yakuza particular like i think uh um you can show your tattoos when you're not in public and when you're in that specific space but it's it's very taboo to show them in public
0: which so, is crazy
1: it is with how prominent they
0: are all over the world now yeah. and just in culture in general i mean dating back you have buddhist monks that had tattoos right? yeah but- yeah and i think i don't know if they're actually buddhist i threw that out there like i knew that but well i for mean some monks, there's so many did. different
1: categories of buddhism too you know in different areas we actually spent a little time like learning about zen buddhism and stuff like that so i've learned about little different areas of buddhism and all their different philosophies but i think again, yeah, japan in general they're very reserved culture and so they're not I shouldn't say they are not, but I the feeling is that you know the the American style of like showing it off, you know. I think there's some areas in Japan where they're all about like showing it off and and uh, you know dressing up and being all about it. But the older cultures are very reserved and they don't you know want you to show your tattoos, you know. So and maybe we're stealing a bit of that culture too as well. But I do it in a respectful way. I think. Yeah,
0: I think is that's the key thing, right? As long as it's respectful. And it's not like you're like you're appreciating their artwork. Absolutely. I think that putting that on your body is a huge compliment. A
1: compliment. That's how I like to see it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a big commitment too. <laughs> a, a lot of commitment. black. Yeah. yeah.
0: But it looks good. I think that's <laughs> the key thing is just getting artwork that you appreciate and then it also being visually appealing is like just a huge plus
1: yeah and it's a lot of it's a lot of commitment and time and work and I mean, people that say oh it doesn't hurt that bad i'm like does it hurt man. a lot it doesn't hurt a lot it hurts though yeah like there you have to definitely find your your like time frame for being able to handle it and also a good artist knows too so like for me i'm like three hours i'm good and i'll come back and pay you for the next round in a month or six weeks when it's healed because i'm good after three hours and that's like your breaking point yeah it's like, we could do a solid three and then it starts getting yeah. Icy. the adrenaline starts to wear off you take that first like bathroom break and then you're like
0: this is yeah start. I mean, maybe i should go home now it's starting to I think hurt. We're okay yeah for sure <laughs> Yeah, my sister has a couple tattoos that are pretty cool. I, I'm a huge fan of tattoos. I just have to figure out where, where I want to go with it. Yeah. I do want a sleeve eventually. I think uh-huh. a sleeve would be cool.
1: Start with somewhere non-visible and then you'll yeah. get like desensitized to it. Maybe not a face tat right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, maybe not like a teardrop yeah. or like a hand tat. I'm big on like no hands or faces, necks, like just me personally.
0: Is that just because you can cover it up if you want Yeah, to?
1: yeah, okay. I don't know. For me, I like I like the bodysuit style because you can like cover it up and it's kind of elusive that you can do that. And then um, everybody's different. Like uh, my tattoo artist has a beautiful like hand tattoo of a bird on his hand. And I think it's amazing. But for me, I just like the ability to be able to, to cover it up when I want to or need to, you know. Do you have to cover it up a lot? Not really. Yeah. If I want to. Yeah, that's the key. You know, I think I see in the winter time, like when you were wearing long sleeve shirts and sweaters and I'm with a group of people and then all of a sudden it's like warmer out and I'm wearing a t-shirt, you could see some people being like, whoa, holy. But I never get bad comments or like negativity. I just get a lot of like the, you know, from some people. I'm sure they're like, why would you do that?
0: Some Um, people still don't get it yeah right i and think they culturally never... it's way more accepted oh yeah but some people are still your older
1: generations some of them yeah. are just never gonna get it i'm sure my mom is like why would you do that Jana?" but she's i think has learned a long time ago that she's not gonna be able to deter me from what i want to do <laughs> yeah
0: yeah my parents are not they're not really against it, but they're definitely not fans of tattoos. Yeah,
1: my mom actually has a tattoo. Oh, does she? Yeah, one of our favorite artists who used to live here, Carl Haynes, he uh, had a shop down on 5th Street. We moved here in 2001. Uh, and my husband decided to join the Coast Guard at the time. And so we just, like, got put and humble. And uh, that's how we ended up here. And so one of the first people we met was Carl and his wife. And uh, that's how we kind of got into like the tattoo scene up here in Humboldt County. And did you
0: have tattoos before you came up here?
1: Yeah. Okay. I got a handful when I lived. I lived in Sacramento for a few years. I moved out of home in Tuolumne County where I grew up my whole life and did the junior college thing. I was kind of like a college dropout. But college was never like something that I was like – aiming to Set for. conquer but it was good for me at the time it was like structured and you know was I was aiming to be a registered vet technician but when uh you know me and Jason been together since 96. And oh, wow. and when he was kind of accelerating his his career, he wanted to be a firefighter, but the the firefighter position in general like was so competitive at the time. Back in ninety nine two thousand, there would be like two thousand or more people trying to get one or two positions, and so it was so regimented, so difficult to get a job that he just said, "I'm screwing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go in the Coast Guard." And uh, he actually spent only five years in the Coast Guard, but he became a, a rescue swimmer. He like went all the way, like fast and hard. <laughs> and um, so we spent quite a bit of time apart um, for about two years. So I, I said, you know, it's either move forward and we were engaged and moved to Humboldt with Jason. When I, when I looked around a bit up here, being registered as a vet technician really wasn't A big deal. Like down in the Bay Area or Sacramento at the time, a lot of places were looking for registered vet tech.
0: There just wasn't the demand up here?
1: There wasn't as much demand or desire or need. There's very few things that you can or can't do as an RVT versus just like a vet assistant or technician, uh, like intubating animals and doing placing splints, things like that. And so up here in Humboldt, people would just – it wasn't as much of a big deal. It was like you could make a dollar, maybe $2 more as an RVT. So instead of spending another year in SAC, you know, getting that degree, I just decided to move up here with him and got a great job. And I was there for 15 years, so – well, to me, I was like worth it to yeah, makes sense to move forward. Yeah, Because we were in a pretty solid relationship for quite a long time, so that was for me at the time it was obviously m- more important than staying in Sacramento and doing that. Yeah, so and the dog training thing just kind of morphed over time. It's very strange, like how it started. My friend, who I actually worked with at a vet clinic in Elk Grove. She came up here. Just we had lunch one day. Uh, She was like an executive. She probably will tell me I'm wrong when if she sees this, but uh, her name's Miranda, and uh, we had lunch. And she said, you know, um, I'm here because I'm, you know, executive like partner director with uh, Petco. And one of the stipulations for Petco now is that every Petco they're trying to aim for having two dog trainers. And she's like, there's one there, and we're looking for a second one. She's like, why don't you? Why don't you do it? And I was like, "Dog trainer this sounds totally weird." I was like, "I don't know why I would do that." It was like completely outlandish to me You at hadn't the time. done
0: anything prior
1: to that, no, nothing at all. And she just kind of talked me into it, and I just thought, you know, I really wasn't very like happy or being f- feeling very fulfilled or driven at the vet clinic at the time. I was kind of like a lower end like assistant. And it was a very small clinic at the time. It's changed now. Until now, there's a lot of employees there. It's grown a lot. But at the time, I thought, you know, I really do need something else to, like, drive me. I'm feeling kind of stagnant, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing the 9 to 5, and I'm tired, and I'm only, I'm only 25, and I'm feeling burnt out and just kind of like, so I thought, why not? It's one day a week. She said, I'll actually come up here and like, and I'll do like, I'll mentor you from a distance. I'll do the mentoring, like, you know, if you don't want to do it with the person that's there at the time. And I was like, why not spend more time with my friend? And if it's an hour a week and I'm going to learn more about dogs, all right, fine. So she like really talked me into it. And it just grew and grew and grew. And and, uh, I I did one day a week and then turned into two days a week. And then after three years there, I I kind of felt like I needed to cut the cord. So I did like a year kind of floundering on my own, just like gathering people and like doing classes and things like that. And in 2011 was about the time, a little before that, uh, Dr. Rosanian and Dr. Silver, who owned Ferndale Vet, They bought Fortuna Vet and they hired me on. So Dr. Ozanian in specific, Chuck, he's like one of my big mentors. And he really – like as soon as we had our initial interview, we like clicked immediately and he – he and I were like already brainstorming like ways to become, you know, a better dog trainer. And, and they accepted the whole training program as an umbrella under the vet clinic. So I could expand without the fear and like nervousness of branching out on my own. Because so, you were
0: kind of working with them. Yeah, it. it
1: was a collective, you know, they took a certain percent and I was able to, to promote my business part time and still be a full time vet tech with them and it's a perfect avenue because you see dog people all day every day and so clientele yeah,
0: clientele's right in front of you it is
1: yeah so i spent about 5 years like the, the back and forth back and forth you know switching hats from tech to to dog trainer and it like slowly got down to like i was working one day a week and i i kept saying like to him like i just don't know he's like you're just going to have to like get the hell out of here like take a leap of faith and just go do it and he was right cuz like 2016 i finally just like turned the business over into my name. I, I quit my job there. It was, like, really scary at the time, but uh, I, it just, like, blew up, and and I, you know, it hasn't been easy. It was not, never a decision that I had thought I would ever make to, like, be a business owner. That was never in the cards. Part of why I chose to be a vet tech was cause, like i don't want the responsibility of being a veterinarian and also going to school for that long was like a total no-go yeah for not me. appealing no i mean i had a rough time just getting through high school i just not that i was like you know not into it but i'd rather be out doing other things riding horses and like you know doing things like that and, like
0: yeah not sitting at a desk all day no
1: i had a really hard time with that so yeah Staying in school for me for something like that was like not in the cards. I've always been like a get out there and work. Like, I got my first job at like 12 you know, cleaning stalls so that, doing something. so that I could talk my mom into getting a horse, you know, and then like riding out of stables and like leading like uh, horse, uh, guided horse trail rides in old Columbia. I don't know if you ever heard of Columbia. No. It's like an old mining town.
0: And you were leading your Yeah, like 14, like
1: leading tourists like down a trail oh, on, on horses, you know, and taking care of the horses in the morning. We'd have to like haul them into town and back out and feed them and... And um like, the summer job, you know. And So, yeah, I've always been, like, a, a worker, you know. And like, I worked at a pizza place for, like, a really short period of time. It was the only, like, random job I had. But most of it's all been, like, animal-driven. Like, a lot of volunteering, vet clinics. I had, like, a summer volunteer position at a horse clinic that was really cool down by Sacramento. And then just I got started um, in Elk Grove. All they had was graveyard shifts three days a week. So I'd be, like, up all night. Working, and then sleep part of the day, and then go to school, and then do that over and over is kind of insane. It's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. The benefit was having a really cool like technician and just you, and she was like teaching me tons of stuff at night when nobody else was there. There was nobody else like to help her, so that was actually a huge benefit because it wasn't during the day when they we were too busy to like dedicate to teaching she was like get in here like i need your help you're gonna have to like do this for me or help me oh with this. that's awesome so yeah she was a really um paige was her name she was a really like great person that i worked with in those strange graveyard shifts for like 15 months i think it was it was weird though yeah you know, like five hours of sleep a night you're like, oh. like
0: am i am i dreaming right now am yeah. i still awake what is happening
1: you know when you're like 18 19 20 you're like oh i could do it yeah now i'd be like uh oh. <laughs> i
0: can do it at
1: 24 one night i'd be like i'm delirious can't handle this It's not working for me you know i take naps now every day and like yeah i'm a big nap advocate yeah (laughs) for sure yeah so the animal world has always been like my favorite place to be you
0: just kind of gravitated towards that
1: yeah and miranda was really like the jump starter for that to just like kind of be like why not and i was like i guess why not so yeah once i started doing it full-time i just kind of really hauled ass to try to keep it moving forward. Uh, and that was – in the beginning, it was really fun, like, going everywhere. Part of my my goal was, like, see all corners of Humboldt, which is really interesting. I don't know how much you've, like – I mean, like, everywhere in Humboldt, pretty, you know, Alder Point Road and Neeland, Top of Neeland, and, you know, Trinidad. And I did a hiking class for a long time, too. It was a blast. I had adopted a dog, Daisy, who we still have, uh, and she was a total – asshole basically and she the people basically there's a whole story behind her i don't know much time we have no but. you can yeah go into it <laughs> uh daisy daisy what kind of dog was she she's a pit okay she's probably i say she's got a tenth of lab in her because she just has a little bit of a softer face and she sheds like crazy um she's a cool story because it's just the there is a lot of positive aspects to the internet and networking and there's a lot of negativity with the internet that i don't like um, and that's a lot of my business. I like it to be tangible and, like, in person with people because, you know, the internet can be a harsh world. People are very critical. Like In
0: reference to your business or just it's social just media? Everything,
1: social media, yeah. And, I, you know, I've in the past posted this or that opinion or whatever about, you know, positive or negative things, and you just, like, get backlash and this but that. But when you share, like, success stories and, like, you know, things like that, it feels good. And so when – Daisy first. I got this video from uh, a lady. Her name's Jenna Kilby. She uh, she had a rescue at her place for a while up the Mitchell Heights Road. And uh, she just sent me a video of Daisy. And she's like, this is a little beyond my realm of comfort. And I don't know what to do. I brought this dog into the shelter. And Um, It was a video of Daisy and her kids were walking around the kennel where Daisy had been being kept for the first couple of days. And she was like, "Ah," lunging and snapping and snarling at the kids. And I thought, you know, for me, I've really I'm really most comfortable actually with pits more than a lot of other breeds. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, most people would not say no, that. No,
1: and I've spent so much time around them that it, it it scared me a little bit to see a pit be aggressive like that to kids and humans because they're genetically aggressive to dogs. That's something they were bred for for a really long time. And I tell people that, you know, when you get a pit, you do have to realize that's in their genetics.
0: Bred to fight other dogs.
1: Yeah, and and that was purposely bred into them many years ago. Not necessarily anymore, but it's probably an underground thing that still exists in a lot of places. But you know, that's like the whole genetic code, and and certain breeds, it's in there. These little guys, which somebody's passed out cold now. We haven't heard. We don't hear her snoring. Luckily, she's
0: really calm. She was doing really well.
1: She's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, okay.
0: she's like, okay, we're gonna be here for a minute. I yeah, guess we're I'll, gonna be here. I'll for, conk out. I'll for chill. Sec.
1: <laughs> but Boston's, they tried back in like their early 1890s they say that the Boston Terrier is the first um AKC um like notif- noticed breed what uh, is AKC? AKC is American Kennel Club uh and so that's like if you want an AKC purebred dog that's the American Kennel Club's probably the most recognized like American um pedigree uh, association so
0: just like a certification of okay this dog yeah is like...
1: well and like if you looked at rose's pedigree her breeder you know they'll show you the pedigree of like the sire or the grandsire and grandam you know that's that's like the grandpa and grandpa and the and all the way down to that puppy so they can show you you know how that dog's been bred who they've been bred to and for how long Um, but Boston's, they were, they initially were bred to be like little miniature fighting dogs. They have a bit of pit in their, in their history. To fight each other? Yeah. But they just, people like back in, way back in the day before the 1900s, they thought these are some really nice little dogs. And so they very quickly became a companion dog versus a fighting dog. But pit bulls, you know, they're, they're, they're an awesome breed. They're not for everybody. Um, you now, when I first moved here, the pitbulls were a really popular breed, and they were really popular for a long time. You get the fad breeds, and right now it seems to be like the Belgian Malinois, is so the most popular breed. Which
0: another dog that requires a lot of work, a lot more so than even the German Shepherd, right?
1: Oh yeah, they're they're just they're a whole different I think mindset than German Shepherds. And when people compare them, I think, and I don't have a lot of uh like I shouldn't say a lot, but I have. A, much less experience working with Malinois than I do Pitbulls.
0: They now were they bred for war? They're just commonly utilized. There?
1: They're 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 you know they're used for working and they're most you know I think sound minded when they're with somebody who's really firm and really focused and driven and can work with the dog. There's they're Harder to like, I guess, intimidate and like keep under control as a house dog than pits. Pits are a little lazy, they don't like getting cold, they have short hair you know they're not really working dogs they they have a, they can get a temper sometimes and they're pushy and they play rough and they can be dog aggressive but in general they're really they should be very gentle with humans they were you know they the like the british version of pit bulls is called the staffordshire terrier there's also the staffordshire bull terrier so a lot of these bloodlines have kind of like They've separated from each other in the early 1930s. Pitbulls were no longer uh, – I shouldn't say no longer, but the American Staffordshire Terrier was recognized as a purebred dog with AKC but not the American Pitbull. So the Pitbulls are like – you can't prove their bloodlines. So Daisy, I say a tenth of Labrador because she probably has a, a couple of different breeds in her, but you can see by looking at her – She's predominantly Mm Pitbull. So when I went to meet her, um, it was like, well, we're hiring you because she was brought up here from San Jose. Uh, A a bunch of different rescue people networked to try to get Daisy out of this kill shelter in San Jose. Uh, And family members of the guy who had her before networked basically and tried to push before she was going to be put down. Uh, and she has a really interesting story. That after I ended up seeing her, I went out weekly several times to work with her, and just feeling like I was treading water. We were just covering basics, but she wasn't improving. And after four months at the at at Jenna's, you know, it's like this dog isn't improving a lot. And I remember it was Fourth of July. And my excuse to my husband was, well, Jenna's going to be out of town and Daisy doesn't have a top on her kennel. And so what if there's fireworks in the neighborhood? And so I'm bringing her home for safety. And then I thought, well, what about networking like socially on how to like do a, a dog boot camp, like reboot and like have her in my home for two weeks to find her new home. So at the time we had a, a Mustang, a Ford Mustang. And Jason was on duty at the fire department. He works at Humboldt Bay Fire. Okay. So I pulled up to the headquarters and like called him and was like, hey, I'm downstairs.
0: I've got the dog. And
1: he came down and he was like, oh, and she was in the passenger uh, seat. And that's like our no dog car too. And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, oh, this Great. is bad shit. So yeah, I mean, he came home the next day and Daisy was in the house with everybody else. And uh, it, she created a lot of chaos at the time. We had seven dogs and five cats and- you know, two horses and all that good stuff. But in the long run, seven years later, Daisy's kind of the head honcho and the older granny at our house. But, uh, I spent a lot of time working with her aggression towards people and dogs. And, uh, Again, it was like treading water in a lot of ways because it was such a slow, agonizing process to try to figure out how much positive, how much negative, what resources do I use? Treats would get you so far, praise would get you so far, but then you'd have to, you'd have to get after her and be really stern and firm at times. How much exercise does this dog need? And I started digging into her past and um, a family member of the previous owner started reaching out and commenting on my Facebook posts about Daisy and it was the stepmom of the kid and his name was Jason too my husband's name is Jason uh, that he he got Daisy at five months of age and he was on the streets at the time and he was a heroin user and um, long story short, Daisy was born on the streets and lived on the streets and was passed around several different times until Jason took her and she was his companion and his protector and guardian. And was taught to pull the shopping cart full of their stuff while he rode on his BMX bike behind it and was encouraged to pull and he was encouraged her to guard their things while he was, you know, doing his thing. And uh, she was an insecure puppy having to be very protective. So once I found out more and more about her past, it it didn't change like the dynamic, but it actually it made me feel a little, a lot more compassionate about like why things are so hard
0: because you understood that side of it. I
1: think that's something a lot of people that get rescue dogs wish they had insight on, like what did this dog go through?
0: Yeah, how did it end up at this point?
1: Yeah, so it gave me some acceptance and some of her behaviors to just slow down and calm down about her progression, uh, and I thought, okay, well. We're not making much headway in this regard. So one thing that Daisy likes to do is move constantly. I called her the migratory animal because in our house she just couldn't stop moving ever or relax. The other dogs were like, "What is happening? What is wrong with this dog?" Uh, And so I created this hiking class, uh, and it like blew up. People loved it, and it was really fun because Daisy didn't like other dogs and didn't really care for other people. She was like, "I want one person, and that's really all I need." and that was me. She turned that into me. And so part of like our beginning stages together in the first few years were going around every week and hiking different trails with people. And it got more and more like interesting and fun and all the places we go. We used like hiking Humboldt books. I don't remember the author's name, but he has a couple of them and they're fantastic books. And I would take people on these hikes from like, uh, king salmon and we would follow the railroad tracks along the um along the the bay north to the Hickshari trail and back like seven eight miles oh
0: whoa and just bring your dog yeah and we're gonna go bring
1: your dog they you know they're gonna learn cues and and things along the way and we're gonna hike, and we're gonna work their little butts off. And that oh, was so
0: you're training the dogs as you're hiking. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was just a like a bonding experience. Of, it's oh, like we're gonna go hike. I'm
1: telling you what to do while you're hiking behind me. Yeah. And my dog's the biggest jerk in the group, so she's you know you want your dog to be a good example. That's like what Rose and Levi are really great at because they're very calm. But I raised them from puppies and was able to mold them and like you know, utilize that puppyhood to, to make them calm dogs. But I didn't have that with Daisy. So she was a, I think a really great thing for a lot of people to see like, okay, my dog doesn't have to be perfect. My dog might not be suited for every situation. Um, but I could go hiking with my dog. And if Janet can do it with Daisy, then maybe I can do They're it still with, with them, with yeah. her. Yeah. And a lot of dogs I think are just lacking um, exercise. So that was a big. A lot part of people
0: of are lacking exercise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: COVID definitely created a lot of those problems for me. I was like the COVID twenty pounds. Yeah. And, right. Yeah.
0: Well, you're just locked up in your house. What are you gonna do? Might yeah. as well start eating.
1: Yeah, I I like, got really, really frustrated when COVID hit because it was like I was in the middle of a bunch of training classes. I have the, I'm really blessed to have the Fortuna Veterans Building took a bit of convincing but i've moved around f- a few places it's hard to convince people to rent their building to dog people
0: well i would imagine the liability of it is just yeah. nobody wants to take especially with pit bulls. when pit bulls get into the mix it yeah. starts getting a little and icy. i have really
1: good liability insurance like a million dollar liability insurance oh wow so you're
0: yeah. covered you're i'm prepared.
1: covered i'm ready yeah but they're like they see and the guys even at the veterans building were like ah, You know, um, like dog poop and fur. They're like, "Ah," you know, and so that I think that's a lot of people like they think dirty or irresponsible, but it's been fantastic over the last few years being able to like show them that um, I'm trying to teach people how to be responsible with their dogs. So we leave no trace behind when we're done with classes. And um, when I started there, um, you know, it's like two or three days a week doing classes and different age groups from nine ten weeks old up to like adult dogs that don't have any clue of what they're doing so
0: so when you first got Daisy were you kind of hesitant towards how she'd react to Jason especially after learning about how she was protective yeah. of the other Jason yeah. I would imagine if she latches on to you and then use yeah. everybody else as okay. Oh, definitely. This is my person. I need to protect them from everybody else. Yeah,
1: and he came home off duty, and we still talk about it, laugh about it, because he like he basically just walked in the door, and she like went to jump up on him, and he just ju- we called it ju- the jujitsu. He just jujitsued her like off her feet and on the floor, and she kind of went like swept her, and that was like it, like. You know, it wasn't like a mean, like, I'm trying to beat you or hurt you. But he just, like, instinctively was like, no. And she, from then on, I mean, she adores him. She absolutely loves him. Um, but I think it was necessary for her and just his instinctive move. He's been around dogs for a really long time, too. So it's like, and we also spent many years rescuing adult pit I'd just bring them home and they'd have all these random issues. So he was just like, nope.
0: Yeah, peace. wasn't it like he's
1: trying to do the alpha rollover and all that crap that pe- a lot of people, like, you know, promote. And I'm not really a fan of that, like holding a dog down on their back.
0: Is that like the dominant? aspect yeah. of you have to be the alpha yeah the which house. there's
1: so many other ways to be dominant and i don't even like using that word because you kind of have to be cautious actually we watched this podcast recently by uh mike tyson have you ever watched his podcast yeah, what, hot, boxing with <laughs> yeah, mike tyson? hot boxing yeah hot boxing yeah um and he, it's one with caesar milan and i like was a huge fan of caesar milan and he got a lot of backlash from dog trainers and like as i came up and and started doing more training, more full-time. I was kind of like on the fence. And I thought, oh, yeah, his his shows are really entertaining. And he has a lot of really good things to say. But there are some aspects to it that might have given people the wrong impression. And people kind of glom onto certain things and run with it. And he was saying in this podcast, hopefully you'll watch it you now because it's I'll really cool. Ch- i have to check it they out. He actually went to his ranch in Mexico and like had the podcast there at Cesar Milan's like dog facility.
0: He's not the guy and- that has that giant pit bull, is he?
1: I'm not they call sure. it like
0: tank have you seen that dog no oh my well, well i'm not
1: continue sure Continue telling your story yeah, i'm yeah. gonna pull this up because
0: yeah. this dog is insane
1: i'm not sure maybe he does but he had the dog or his original dog that was like his kind of dog like roses for me you know okay or, or daisy was daddy and it was like um i can't remember the rapper names dog but it was like it was jada pinkett smith and and her husband at the time i think like uh, their dog will smith yeah, I think oh, okay. I think it was their dog. Maybe it wasn't a rapper's dog. I think uh, you know I'm so bad at this kind of stuff. My husband's the information guy, and I'm always like, "What's that guy and the yeah, thing and the thing?" And he's like, "Oh, blah blah blah." I'm like, "Thank you." Yeah, thanks. <laughs> if he was here, he would know. Um, but no, I mean, it was really funny because Caesar said, "Yeah, when I moved to America, I didn't know any English, and I had to like work my way up from scratch." And he goes, "One of the things that I used as a term at the time was dominance." And submission, and he said, my interpretation of it was, like, now I use the word leader and being, like, leadership role for your dog. But people misconstrue, like, what he would say, the word dominant, being that you had to be dominant over your dog all the time. And he said, yeah, if I had had a better understanding of English at the time I would have used different terminology but I didn't also it was a language it so was thing. really interesting like oh. to hear him say that after being in America for so long and being through all those TV shows and all that stuff it's like you always get a little different interpretation like over time when you read about or hear somebody say so it's like oh.
0: That's actually not what they meant. They that's, meant this thing, yeah. Which, of course, us in the states, we would go domineering when you hear dominate. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, I think it's good, dogs should know that you're in charge. Oh boy, this is the
0: size of that dog.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's.
0: It's just this. He's outrageous. Just this built.
1: That's like a me- pit. I think, a I think they mega call them pit. Pink. Yeah. yeah. Pit bulls are like supposed to be forty to sixty pounds.
0: <laughs> that that's got to be at least a what a 100- hundred.
1: Yeah, like, look at his head compared to the guy's Just head. Just huge. Yeah, that's outrageous.
0: And this guy, I think he trains dogs. I don't, I think it's, I think, oh, I don't know actually what guy does it, but he trains dogs and this is like his flagship dog. Yeah. I think that's oh, the guy. Oh my
1: god! Well, you, Hulk,
0: the world's biggest pit bull. You'd certainly
1: get a lot of attention walking around with that guy. Yeah,
0: I mean, nobody's yeah. gonna mess with you. You're uh, you're no. safe. But
1: yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know if Just, I would want to purposely want breed to. a dog yeah. that big. Yeah. But yeah, they're supposed to be 40 to 60 pounds. So yeah, that dog's
0: maxing out.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely maxing out. Um, uh, I don't remember what topic we're on, but we were talking about Daisy and dogs in general. Oh, but the on domineering the, on the dominance Mike Tyson. thing. Yeah, yeah. That it was an interesting podcast that we watched, and I think um. With dogs, I have this basic like philosophy that I came up with over the years, and I call it FFA. And I thought it was kind of funny because I was in FFA as a kid with a little jacket, yeah, and, like raising pigs and horses and stuff like that. And but it's it's uh stands for food, freedom, and affection. And I really harp on clients like from puppy classes to private lessons, there's generally a area of improvement somewhere that you can make in those three departments. And those are the top three resources in a dog's life, you know, aside from things like, you know, your your ball dog and dogs that like other things. But if you break it down to food, I always tell people never free feed your dog. If they just free feed, being. free feed, just like walk into the bowl whenever they want to and eating food. Oh, you're not
0: supposed to do that. No,
1: I think that's really a horrible thing to do. Your dog can fend for itself when it can go for their food on their own. So if you think about that, you know, what I like is my dogs wake up every morning and they're like, hey, they're looking at me for breakfast. And then during the day, especially if you have a problem dog, you know, a lot of people will argue, well, my dog doesn't eat very well, so I need to keep the food down because he's, he's too thin. And I think, well, are you, you may be being a little bit too nervous and neurotic over your dog's eating, but what if your dog didn't have access to food for six or eight hours? Maybe they'll get on more of a scheduled routine of eating. And so the other thing too, like with puppies and problem dogs, like Daisy got most of her meals out of Kongs, like those, you know, those big like toys that you can stuff food in.
0: Oh, and then they like chew on it and the food comes out. Yeah.
1: So she's in her crate for periods of time when I was at work, working at the vet clinic at the time, instead of feeding her out of a bowl and her eating in 30 seconds, and then having to spend three or four hours in a crate, why not feed her at least half of her meal in the crate so that when she's sitting there, she's got something to do with her brain. Uh, so food can be turned into like a mental game or workout for your dog. And hand feeding, uh, feeding your dog on walks, you are using food to your advantage versus a disadvantage. People kind of de- – you get a lot of backlash from, from some people about like, oh, well, they are just going to do it for the treat. It's like he's only sitting because I have a treat in my hand. Like, well, you're going to feed your dog anyways, so why not – have them earn it it's like the hand that feeds you philosophy clearly you know you're feeding the dog by hand the dog needs you and they have to do this this and this to get it and i think a lot of dogs they bark dig fence fight destroy the house um they're hyper because they're bored so why not like deter the boredom by doing more work with their brain with the food to hunt for food and most dogs are supposed to hunt and and look for food and so they're just when the food bowl's left down that's a huge disadvantage to the owner. And we can get into, like, feeding your dog real food thing, too. That's another topic I'm big on. Like, my dog's got a little bit of bone broth, which I make myself from, you know, food that – chicken that I get from, like, the local farm, Shake Fork Farm. And um, I I love the whole local support thing. I'm, like, huge on that because that's really how my business thrives. So – I really love supporting other local people. Um, I love the Shake Fork Farm. They're fantastic. So I put their little – anything that's leftover vegetables or like chicken bones and things from our meals, I put it in the slow cooker and make bone broth. And I like boil them sweet potatoes. We have chickens. So I found out last year when I started seeing a naturopathic doctor that I was allergic to eggs. (laughs) And I thought, oh, shit. So no more eggs for me. So I hard boil eggs and scramble eggs for the dogs. Obviously, my husband gets the eggs too. Um, but, the, but the having food be more of a ritual and a, something that they earn.
0: Instead of just this constant supply.
1: Yeah, constant supply and then also just the, the boredom of dry kibble. Because kibble, like you hear from – I don't know where this came from, but I think it started coming back when commercial dog food started coming out in – I think don't quote me on this but around the 1950s or 60s. So if you think about how long dogs have been domesticated for, I say about 15,000 years. But dog food's only been around since about 1950 something or 1960 something. That's a long period of time that dogs have been just getting human food and scraps. So when you hear no human food, you know, don't feed your dog human food, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. So yeah, the line
0: of thinking doesn't really check out, it right?
1: It doesn't. Um, we had a lot of dogs pass away over the past several years of cancer, cancer-like things. And so um, for me, trying to minimize, like, vaccines and preventatives, like flea and tick meds and um, pesticides that like, they absorb through their paws from the grass and things like that and maximize nutrition has been big with, like, our next- round of dogs because you know they won't live forever but it's pretty heartbreaking when you lose your dog people really suffer uh and so for me i'm like i want my dogs to live as long as possible because we had we've had a lot of dogs pass away from cancer
0: have you noticed a change in that bringing them on to more human foods
1: we'll see okay this is the current round this is the three the the trio that's been getting a lot more i mean i've done the whole raw food diet they call barf diet which sounds ridiculous but it's biologically appropriate raw foods um i did that like full on with with a pack my first pack of dogs for a while but it gets pretty exhausting like feeding them you're feeding them raw meat and bones
0: and it gets expensive
1: it's very expensive kibble's Cheap. Kibble is also like the kibble we feed, which is a good quality kibble by Fromm. It's like 25, 30 pound bag is like almost $80 now. Oh,
0: damn. Never mind. Not cheap.
1: So, I mean, you want to look at a higher quality food too if you want to have your dog live longer. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, I mean, food is a huge, huge tool that people just completely pass by as an object of like, you know, ability to train your dog and have your dog be dependent on you and look at you as like godly because you're feeding them and also um whenever you're having behavior problems with your dog like pick up the bowl put it away put the food in your pocket for a week and not feed
0: him for a whole week
1: like no i don't mean that like put (laughs) put the food in your pocket or in a treat bag and like make them earn it yeah make them earn it and see the difference in like just a day or a week
0: people get weird when they hear that when they hear that oh you have to work for your food, or yeah. make your animal work for your food.
1: When your dog's not working in any other way, like you have a, you have an Australian Shepherd, but do you have a bunch of sheep out back? Or you, know, you have a Border Collie, but do you have cattle? If you have a calm, reserved, chill dog like Rose, that's like passed out right now, it may not be a big concern. But when you have a dog that has behavior problems, I think what can you do to like really maximize food? that's just like one aspect. Freedom is a whole nother story. So freedom, wherever I go, and like when I did travel to different areas of Humboldt, you can see distinct differences in like how much or how little freedom is given to dogs and the problems people were having. I think that people that can have, can, not always, but can have the most problems are the people that give their dog too much freedom. So I think a dog, like the healthiest minded dog, spends 50% of their time on a leash walking with you, not taking you for a walk, uh, and also being around other dogs and people on a leash. But then if you can achieve like their ability to be calm and well behaved around people and dogs, being able to train them to a point to be off leash too is fantastic. Daisy isn't meant for that. Like we go to the South Jetty is like one of my favorite places to go. and We just need space and Freedom. and um, we we take the dogs out there and we don't have to worry about it. I'm not gonna take Daisy to the dog park. Like, she's not dog park material. The Bostons could go, but sometimes there's those dogs at the dog park that I'm like,
0: Yeah, other people's dogs. They you right? sh-
1: shouldn't be here. Like eh, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to my dogs and freedom and nuts. Like it's hard to turn off the dog trainer mindset when I see a dog being a jerk at the dog park or the person that's like throwing the tennis ball for their giant dog at the dog park and the and somebody else's dog comes up to try to play and they're like Arr! It's like, why are you playing ball with your dog at the dog park? You know? So freedom, I think, should be uh, given out based on when the dog's ready for it. So I do a lot of classes where we work up to like, okay, in puppy class, your dog needs to sit and look at you before we let them off the leash to play. We did this last night in puppy kindergarten. Some of the people were like my dog's being such a jerk. I can't even get them to look. Look is like make eye contact. Look. That's lure and reward. So if you have a little piece of food in your hand and you say look and they look at you and then sit, it's like hand signal to sit. Then you say, okay. And let them off of a leash. Something as simple as that can make the dog really look at you different. Like, man, all right. I have to just calm down for a second. And then you, you give me freedom. So having some of the people really struggling for like two, three minutes to get their dog to do that, I say, this is a lesson for you to not just go to the beach and let them off leash and let them run off and think they're going to like run it off. Because they're usually not going to get, like, better or calmer on their own. They need you to, like, enforce. They
0: need that structure.
1: They do, yeah. And I think going on a really good leash walk, like, even if it's just every other day or three times a week, where you're kind of hounding them a little bit to behave and not pull on the leash and to listen and walk at the pace you want to walk at, is really good for discipline. It's good for them, their mentality to not always just get to do what they want. Um, and not just be in the backyard or in the house. So there's like a fine balance, I think, with everything. You know, not too much freedom, not too little. And I, some people that don't do puppy classes or they wait too long, they just get so overwhelmed and embarrassed at their dog's behavior in public. They just kind of give up. Uh, so that which
0: does not help.
1: No, that doesn't make a difference. Because that's when the other problems kick in, like the fence fighting and the you know what is fence fighting? Fence fighting is like your dog is in their backyard and they can see either the neighbor's dogs or they can see out to the front. People are walking by and they're constantly barking and running the fence and barking and lunging and stuff like that. We had some neighbors that had a ridiculously – Wild husky for several years.
0: Back to the huskies. Back,
1: and he was stuck in the backyard all the time, and so he got to the point where he would like learn to jump up and like hook his paws onto the fence and look over the fence, and they look look like little clowns, and four or five pit bulls on the other side of the fence. I was always like, nope. So we started crating our dogs in the house because of that, because I didn't want them to be in that constant state of, like, aggression towards this husky that didn't have anything better to do than bug them and look over the fence. And he got to the point where he'd, like, learn how to push the fence board in. And I'm like, he's going to end up getting his face bit off. Because our dogs were all really well behaved, but when you get a group of dogs, like, in a frenzy, dogs are dogs. Yeah, you don't
0: know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, they they make mistakes, too, you know? that's The affection thing is more so, like, for people, like, a, a, a warning, like don't just give free affection all the time like make sure that they if you if you work through a difficult walk or you know you go to a dog class and at the end your dog did a great stay and heel and you're like well, you're so good i'm so proud of you they they know the difference between just snuggles and kisses and like where they earned it so my dogs get tons of like free affection a lot of people think oh like you you don't let your dogs on the furniture or in the bed right now like Pfft. Yeah, no, I do. We don't have kids, so... Do you buy
0: into that aspect, though, of people saying you shouldn't let your dog in, in the bed?
1: I think I take it case by case. So, like, you know, it it everything's case by case with me. I look at the breed type a lot of times or the temperament type. I look at the person and the lifestyle, and I look at what the dog is or isn't doing. So, just as an analogy, like, you know, single woman with an adult Rottweiler ha- gets a new boyfriend... And her dog's sleeping on the bed. And every time the boyfriend comes over, the dog's aggressive to him and to the point where, like, he feels uncomfortable even coming in the house. It could be a problem. Yeah, say, well, one of the things I'm going to recommend that you do is start creating your dog at night and not letting him sleep in the bed with you. You know, so every every case is different, like – my husband's gone for 48 hours at a time, so I don't mind having dogs snuggling You're like, with yeah, come up bed. on the bed. Yeah. It's fine. But like Daisy, if she's at the foot of the bed and I'm watching TV and I hear her growl at the cat walking down the hallway, because she just has these ticks, these things that she just like cannot help herself. She's never attacked one of the cats or anything like that. We're always really careful. But as soon as I hear that, I'm like, get off, go lay down. So, like, Daisy's a little different than the Bostons. They don't do that stuff.
0: You have to, like, keep a more watchful eye on her. She
1: needs to be checked more often. It's just her personality, the way she was raised before we got her.
0: Are Um, you worried at all about, like, when you leave her home alone, do you leave all the animals out
1: or do you crate them? I crate the Bostons. She's, like, allowed to be loose now age-wise. That wasn't the case before for many years. Now it's, like, she she's eight and we like would i like her to protect the house um we trust her with our two cats the cats also can get in their own spaces she doesn't chase them or anything like that she you know she's really calm and and sedentary and relaxed now so in general no it's not an issue but i give the dogs kongs every time i leave our first to keep them busy our first dog spike we got when we first moved here he had horrible separation anxiety and he would take it out on our stuff so like One of the worst things, but kind of the funniest was like a book on tape that he had like taken out of the house and through the dog door. And it like ended ended up like through the entire backyard and then back in the house. I mean, he, he would go after things that smelled like us and that were ours. And, you know, probably most of the damage he did in the first five minutes because he was so stressed out and anxious about being left alone. So crate training him, giving him something to do, confining him, giving him something to do, and then using like some natural calming aids to help with that was a really like the perfect solution for him. Most of my dogs start out always in a crate and that's part of the freedom. You they earn. have to earn that. They have to earn it. Yeah. yeah. I can leave all three dogs out loose together for short periods of time and feel really relaxed about it now. Levi's like two and a half. He's kind of a little stinker, not in a bad way, but he's a little pusher. Like, he bugs the girls. Where I think they just, like, go to sleep where he's like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Let me sniff you. Let me bug you. Yeah, instigates. So, yeah, if I have the two Bostons in their crates and Daisy and they all get their Kongs, it's, like, a peaceful atmosphere when I leave. And so I feel relaxed leaving. A lot of owners, when they leave their house, they're, like, anxious too. So I just tell people, if you're not feeling relaxed, your dog's going to pick up on that really, really easily. So figure out a routine that works, that makes – You leave relaxed because your dog will be more relaxed. So human anxiety has like spiked too majorly in the last couple of years. I'm seeing a lot of the aftermath of that now. Like I've been more busy than ever and it's the worst part of my job is not having anybody to like answer any phone calls or emails. So that's like the one complaint I get from people is like I've tried to email you. I've tried to call you. Like I don't even have my voicemail set to take messages right now. That's how – swamped you guys are yeah and so it's like yeah i can't have rose like pick up emails for me you know hopeful if she could it would be freaking awesome and i've had help before and assistance before and like but i don't know there's something that's i just something in my instincts say like don't don't let it grow beyond like what you enjoy and what you want to do like i think a lot of people you can like your business can blow up and it's amazing but i see all these different people and like big or small here and there that you see a lot of people that, are like, almost regret, like, um, letting the franchise or, like, you know, having multiple restaurants or, like, getting employees so that you can do more dog classes or see more clients or this and that. You kind of, like, lose control of of why you started doing it kind of like the one woman show i do get a lot of stress from not being able to see as many people as i'd like like thinking about doing this podcast and stuff i'm like maybe this is like a little window of opening like to maybe start trying to do more online because i'm very old school like i feel like my grandpa how he would be if they're like when people would ask me to do zoom i was like "Ah."
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm doing waiting?
1: that. Yeah, and I still am kind of like that. I'm not very, like, technologically inclined. And I do like the, like, um, I don't know, like I said, the tangibility of, like, being, like, in front of somebody and having that, like, personal experience with somebody and or a group of people, of dogs, which I think is really special. I don't like the idea of, like being so big that you're detached from people yeah
0: then you're outsourcing the training and yeah you don't even meet half the people that
1: yeah yeah bring your
0: dogs in which
1: I'd rather for me it's more about like quality versus quantity I'm not I'm not I didn't get into dog training to like be rich you know I did it to like enjoy it and feel really good about like being never being an educator and a teacher was never something I thought I would be but I'm like wow this is stuff really happening <laughs> so I think I just get so much more enjoyability out of it by just having it just be like that you know um COVID made things really difficult because even just when I was able to get back into the building and train people indoors and get my puppy classes going again where I needed like indoor space and not dirt so I could sanitize the room and all of that last year and making everybody wear masks and all of that um was difficult it's hard to communicate and like read people
0: and get a feel for somebody when half their face is it's covered. really
1: hard yeah and I found myself not able to like remember people Um, And not really connect with people as easily. And also I think people having a difficult time like being able to speak to their dog and having their dog see their face and what they're expressing. It was like I'm a very like get in your face kind of like let me help you with your puppy. And so for me I was like – supposed to keep my distance. We're all supposed to wear masks. I can't breathe. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, and some people, you know, I'm very stressed out about it. I think I've seen a lot of people that have like a lot of residual like social anxiety from from this too. I like it when people tell me that that's like what's going on for them so I can try to help them and encourage them. I do a lot of my training outdoors. Um one of the things that Chuck I'm the Doctor that I mentioned, that um, when COVID hit, he and his wife like welcomed me to use their property out in Ferndale. Oh, that's cool. It like kept the business alive. It was I was like determined not to like take loans and like stop and do unemployment. I just was like, I'm not I'm not doing it. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was like just meeting with small groups of people that were real diehards that were like, I'm not gonna stay in my house. Like, dog people are pretty resilient in general. Like a lot of people, I was. I really actually – that was one of the silver linings of that whole couple of years was, like, being around a lot of, like, really cool people. And they'd show up and, like, want to be around other people and be outside. And, like, is interesting. It's well, just...
0: yeah, and especially in your case, the people that are coming to you are like – they're actually invested. This isn't the person who has a dog and is just like, oh, I'll just let them do whatever. Like, they've already made the first step of saying, okay, we need to do something with this. For sure.
1: Yeah, it got difficult in public places. I mean, it even got so bad, like in Fortuna at the Park, where... I generally would train and work with a lot of dogs and I still do where I was like getting heckled by the rec parking rec guy like about congregating with groups of people and stuff like that in public places. Oh, he was
0: giving you shit.
1: Oh yeah. And I, like it got to the point where like I don't take a bun, I don't take a lot of crap. Like we've had some other things with Fortuna PD and our neighbor and like stuff like if you did a deep dive on me in general like I don't I don't look for trouble. I don't like to argue or like you know, anything like that with anybody. But um, when it came to, like, well, you need to not do this, and you need to maybe pay us, and you need to do this, that, and the other, it was, like...
0: They were saying... Was the park guy saying that? In use of the park.
1: The yeah. public park. Yes. And I and it got to the point where I had to, like, talk to the city manager and be, like, he's, he's getting kind of creepy with it, like... you you know what a weird guy I don't mind like giving you guys my insurance information and all that it's no problem but like if you're gonna let some guy out here in the back of the park like hang out and drink beer all day and like you know let these people do tai chi over here and like let this group of ladies sit and do their knitting and like kids playing and all of that like I shouldn't be being heckled for, like, having five or six dogs and dog people. Well, it's a public park. Yeah. It's
0: not like this is somebody's backyard. Yeah, no.
1: And the city manager was super cool about it. Like, he resolved it really cool and peacefully, and I provided them my insurance, and it was great. But then I was just, like, having the – it was so refreshing to have them offer me their property because it was, like, oh. We don't have
0: to deal with this. Yeah.
1: I'm, like, we're on private property and then there's not gonna be somewhere out they're like counting how many people I have it was it was really difficult so I'm like I like to have not huge groups like good sized groups of people I don't I don't like rules that way it's like let's you know I keep things very structured and very stringent about what I teach and what everybody should do and and all of that but like having to be so stressed about the mask thing and all that it was really stressful and I wasn't wa- Willing to like just be like, no, I'm gonna just have to close my business down. So it was hard for about a year, but having that private property situation and being outdoors, thank God Humboldt wasn't like in a constant state of like rain at that time. Cause I think people probably, probably would have really lost their minds. Yeah. Um, for some reason, it was a fairly dry like year, year and a half. Um, but yeah, the mask thing was hard. And the social distancing was really, really hard. I remember, like, the first class where they, like, lifted the mandate because the county owns the veterans' buildings. So the veterans were like, you can do whatever you want, but not really. Like, they were really cashed about everything. They were like, the county owns the buildings. So we really have to do what they say. And so, I mean, like, pretty much everybody, but, like, maybe one or two people was like, like taking the masks off and throwing them away and like being like super stoked about it. I'm not saying like the masks are a bad thing or they don't work and I, I just want people to do what they want to do. I still have people that come to classes and wear masks. That's totally fine with me. I don't mind that at all.
0: Yeah, if you want to. This, the key thing is if, if you want to. If you want to. The fact that we're forcing people to do these things yeah. is Yeah, I remember kind like of problematic. when it
1: first started and like having to, I remember one time like being in Arcata and like they, I went to walk in the store and I was like just being like totally like what? And they're like, no, you need to get over there. Like having to stand in line and with a mask on outside, like six feet apart on a little like square and like wait. I just felt so degraded. And like, this is so horrible for human beings. Like this just seems really bad. Like to me, like from a standpoint of like so much disconnection from humans to each other, like feel like that was really hard on everybody
0: i think it fucked a lot of people up big i think a lot of people are still dealing with the added anxiety the added stress absolutely just the lack of of human interaction lack of being able to see people's faces i think it messed a lot of people up yeah
1: it's hard to read people and it's hard also, like, just, you know, when I, there's times when I would be walking down the street after the mass lift, and I remember this sweet little adorable little old lady, and I'm walking by her, and she, like, shrunk away from me just to get by me on the sidewalk, and it just made me so sad. That's not
0: a healthy attitude. No,
1: because I'm like, a, I'm like, you know, I don't go around hugging everybody, yeah. but I'm like, I'm am a, I'm a hugger, and I want to, like, get down in there in your dog's face, and having to be, like, hesitant, and, like, ask people if it's okay to get in their bubble and stuff, you know, it's like... It was that was the harder part um, for me for dog training. It was a challenge. I mean, it everything teaches you skills if you embrace it and try to work with it. So there was some really positive aspects to it. It was like a challenging mentally like to work with humans. Um, now I'm seeing what the difficulty of it is like the aftermath of People relying on their dogs for emotional support to the point where their dogs are starting to do weird stuff. Like, without bringing up specific cases, obviously, like that c- client.
0: Yeah, you don't have to say names. Patient, name, patient but privilege. But weird stuff. What weird stuff. That like
1: losing it eventually, and like biting their owner like randomly out of nowhere for n- no reason. And you think that's or... just
0: the stress from the owner?
1: Yeah, I think that. You know, when I'm like digging and asking all the FFA questions and like trying to figure out like why the heck is this dog doing this all of a sudden? Or like psychosomatic, like licking or chewing on their foot. Or like, yeah, all of a sudden this dog who's like a breed type or temperament type of dog that would never dream of being aggressive suddenly turning on their owner or turning on other members of the family or other dogs or cats or something like that or killing an animal. um, I've kind of started seeing these connections to maybe these – dogs are being asked too much of on an emotional level like uh for example i'm good at like live examples like i have epilepsy i i actually like had my first seizure when i turned 30 just out of nowhere oh
0: wow it was so late
1: way late and it just and long story short it turned out to be it's a hormonally based like um epilepsy that happens i don't have like the it's very well managed in general, but I have like these partial complex like waking seizures when um I have hormonal changes throughout the month. And um, for example, like rose, when i'm I'll have a bad day or two, like once or twice a month where I'm just even though I'm on medication for it and I'm like really high active person, and it's taken a long time to get used to the seizure medicine. I don't I don't like it. Does it mess with you? Yeah, it just for it changes your mood, it makes you tired. It's just the whole thing in general was, like, hard to wrap my mind around as an adult being like, what the fuck is
0: this? Especially, like, having lived your life to 30, 30 without yeah. having that. And, then... and
1: even worse, like, I am was, you know, I'm, my husband was more, like, traumatized in, by it than me. He's the one that had to witness, like, my first, like, tonic-clonic seizure, which I've only had, you know, four or five in 12 years so but the waking seizures to me i'm aware of those
0: what is the waking that's where you're awakened yeah i'm
1: having it they have like the neurologist would constantly correct me it's like ma vu is like the opposite of deja vu so like it's a 60 second blip like if i wasn't on medication um when it first started after i had that one seizure i it was like maybe two years went by so they tried to get me on medication. I was like, "No, nah, it's one seizure. I'm not. I'm not gonna go down that road yet." Okay, licky pants. You might get in some background noise with your foot licking. She's like, "Whatever." Lady. I'm
0: just upset. I'm not the focus <laughs> She's right like, now. Jeez.
1: Uh, but yeah, I was like, uh, I would start feeling this kind of like euphoric feeling for a second, like almost like oh, it, you could
0: feel it come on. Yeah,
1: like you're almost like you're getting high. Like you're like oh, and then you're like oh problem yeah it'd be like 10 seconds of like oh this is not of nice and then you're like oh no this is not nice and like J'ai Ma vu is like when you you're in a familiar place but it feels in it's really strange because i'll be like i'm in my kitchen and i'll like talk myself through it like i'm in my kitchen but you kind of feel like you're in like a dream or like you're in some somewhere totally like unfamiliar to you even though you're you're right where you're supposed to be or where you're familiar. So I'd have a lot of experiences like that for a while where I was just, like, too stubborn to, like, go back to the doctor. I was like, yeah, it's fine. But then I was like, eh, it's getting kind of weird. I need to, like, go back. And eventually, like, four and a half, five years went by, and I finally got, like, legitimate uh, EEG readings. I had a great nurse that, like, ended up meeting me on a Sunday morning because she totally got it. And she's like, just call me. Like oh, cool. when you're gonna when you're feeling them coming on, I get it. You're you're not having a positive result on your EEG test because you're only getting these experiences like for a day, a month. So she caught it like, and she, and she said, yeah, it's like a thirty second blip, but it was enough to like diagnose me with epilepsy, basically.
0: Oh, so it's not like an a- you're not falling to the ground having an actual seizure. It's no, more...
1: I'm like standing, and and if if I'm you know I'm pretty tough, so I can just like stand there and be like it's cool, I'm good, like, and I just, like, stay calm and deal with it, and now it's at the point where I rarely have any problems at all because of the medication, but when I wasn't on any, that was kind of the case, and I I stopped taking it twice, and I did have some pretty big episodes, Um, and so... I long story short about the epilepsy is, like, everybody's got, like, stuff going on, and I rely a lot on my dogs when I'm having a bad day and, like, having a bad time. Rose has been the most, like, I think— instinctive about knowing about my condition and the breeder even told me she goes he you know she comes from a line of like do- of dogs that can detect seizures so she's like you never know keep your eyes peeled
0: she just bred into her
1: and she's like it, it might be subtle or it might be obvious but keep your eyes peeled because it might it might happen and now what i basically see with her is she just she won't leave my side at all. She could be a little bit independent and almost like a daddy's girl in general, like go hang out with him, sit on his lap whenever he's home. She does her own thing, goes, sits in the sun and, you know, just kind of is like, you know, not it totally independent, but she's not constantly following me like little Levi. He's like mama's boy. Um, when she like never leaves my side, she knows. But after a couple of days, it's like I just kind of know because it's in me, I guess, as a dog trainer to be like... I need her to, I need to give her time off. Like she's getting almost a little too stressed. I guess for me, it's, I spend more time around dogs than I do humans. So I can like see it in their face or in their eyes. Like the last time a few months ago, you just see her being like, and I was like, I need to go to work without you today. I need to go to the barn and see my horse without you. I need to go do this and like, give him some space. Yeah. And I almost need to be like, you're fine, go lay down. Like you almost feel a little bit mean, but you're not being mean to be like, no, you're fine, go. You know, or put her in her crate with a Kong, you know, or make, make them do their own thing and be like, I don't need your support anymore. It's okay. It's like some dogs need you to, like, tell them to back off because they won't stop.
0: Yeah, it's almost like she's wound up watching after you and it's like, okay, your shift's done. Like, yeah. You, you yeah. put in the work. We Exactly. Can, your we can shift's five. done. Yeah.
1: You see that with protection dogs and people don't shut their brain off, like, from being protective they're like out in the yard all day when they're gone at work and then in the house and they're sleeping at night they you know come to find after some digging the dog's like pacing in the house during the night or they're like out in the front room staring out the window or barking at every little thing it's like this dog's not sleeping this dog's not relaxed like ever so you're even though you think it might be cruel putting your dog in a crate or like so not even just a crate being the solution, but, like, turning off their brain and redirecting their focus and removing them from that protectiveness or that emotional support or whatever it is that they're getting an overdose of is, like, really needs to be done. And, and at a certain point, you need to just be aware of the fact that they're, they're not getting any time off.
0: Yeah. They're on edge 24-7. Yeah.
1: And t- dogs will turn anything into, like, work, you know. And so the emotional support thing I think has been big with a lot of adult dogs I've been seeing more recently that I'm like, you know, people are just totally perplexed by why their dog is doing a certain thing. And you have to, I find myself being like more of a counselor to humans. And I think a lot of people show up not knowing what to expect, or they think my focus is going to be on the dog. And then I start turning the focus to them and
0: they're like, oh, I did not sign up for that. Yeah,
1: some people are, like, all on board and, like, I get it. And they, like, sign up for more. Other people, are like, never hear from them again. And I always try to be gentle but firm. Um, but, yeah, I try not to, like, sugarcoat things when I see something. I'll, I don't always nail it. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there, like, oh, I don't care for Jan or whatever. But um, I really do care a lot about what i do and i think like working with the dogs and the humans at the same time is important very important because i think a lot of what the dogs do is a direct cause of of what we do
0: and i don't think some people would like that that magnifying glass being turned on them right yeah it goes from the dog being the problem to oh it might be actually you triggering your dog absolutely and then they're doing this thing
1: yeah and it's gotten to a point where i've sadly you know as but not sadly, necessarily. It's it's gotten to a point where um, I'm so busy and see so many people, like, raising your rates and, like, having less time and, like, screening people and kind of seeing it before it comes about. It's like I, I really want to work with people that are, like. Invested. Yeah, 100%. Like, a lot of people are like, do you do board and train? I'm like, no. You know, I don't want or have the time or the employees or the capacity to take your dog in my home. A lot of board and train places, um, to me, that's like a red flag. Not all of them. There's so many professional, amazing places that will take your dog uh, and help you in the end when you come back to pick them up to, like, you know, train you to train your dog. But a lot of places that do board and train, when you come back to pick up your dog, the dog will revert right back to the way things were with you before or pretty shortly after because of – How you are. So they will mirror what the human does. I get that all the time with people that I'll just take the dog's leash and they immediately are different. And some people are like, What the hell? I'll meet them for like a dog that's aggressive or pulling on the leash. And they're like, Dude, I've never seen my dog act like this before. This is weird. And they're like, They're almost pissed. They're like, He's not showing you what he's normally like. Yeah, he's not messing up. He's not pissing me off. Yeah, I'm like, Well, maybe he's showing me a lot, but it's not necessarily them and they're kind of like huh <laughs> i'm like it's hard to it's hard to like sh- to like softly tell people like sometimes hey
0: we need to work on your behavior yeah and then we'll focus on the dog yeah
1: and a lot of times that takes like multiple sessions or like an investment in time and interest my favorite like situations with people are the people that i work with a lot and like ongoing and it doesn't even have to be that often like if a lady i work with um she wouldn't mind me plugging her dog's name is corn chip Corn chip. chip. Nice name. One of the most like random but awesome names. Yeah, right? I see her like once a month or every other month, but we've been working together for like two years.
0: Just once a month is like a refresher for yeah. her and the dog? Okay. She'll just like
1: contact me and be like, can you get me in next month? She's like very reasonable. She'll be like, he's just being an ass again. Like he needs Jana. Like, he, and I do. Like I'm just being lazy or I'm this or that or we just need to move forward. We're stuck. And um, it's amazing the difference that we've seen in two years of not even just, like, needing him to come and stay with me or, you know, having to drill her or have her come to classes every week. But she puts in the work. Like, she fully takes in what I say and, like, really takes it to heart and puts it in the work. And I can tell because when the dog comes back, it's like I can tell when somebody's been putting in the work and when they haven't. Um, and when somebody, even if like six months go by and they're like, I'm sorry, I just like, I think a lot of people get embarrassed or like they're bummed at themselves for not following through. So that might be why I don't hear back from them. But I'm always like, my door is open. I know I'm busy, but.
0: We can make it work.
1: Yeah, I won't be mad at you. Yeah. Like if you drop the ball and you did not follow through, I'm not going to be mad at you. Like I'm always here to help you get back on track if you want. So, yeah, humans can be tougher than dogs to work with in a lot of ways it'd be really easy to just like have people drop off their dog and be like sweet bye because that it takes seems like that's
0: it lacks something right I feel like half oh, of dog huge. training is you training your dog it's more
1: than half yeah yeah and that's why I devote um probably like 75 percent of my time to offering the group classes versus the private lessons private lessons are you know having epilepsy is a bit of a challenge because you know my my brain is functioning great but it's like it gets tired. So when I meet someone new and I have to have these tough, like complicated discussions and like navigate all these sensitivities and try to get to know someone and their dog. Like I had five new clients this week and I'm just like. It's a lot. And I had one day this week where I saw back to back like two clients that I work with all the time. And I was like, oh. Hello, hi, you guys. Let's go. And I could just get in their face and be like, "Let's go, do this, this, this," and they're like, "Okay, okay, okay." And they not they're not offended. I don't you have can to just kind of
0: hit the ground running There's with no... them. Yeah, and that's what yeah. I say.
1: Let's hit the ground running, and they're like, "Okay." So, yeah, it's like refreshing when you can work with somebody ongoing and like, you know, be able to just hit the ground running where you do I feel like sometimes people get might get disappointed because they feel like they should see there should be more progress or more done, but I like to really focus on a little bit in the first session like kid gloves sometimes have to be put on cuz I don't want to offend the person and my goal is to like have that dog um bond with me if we're going to have a relationship. I'll usually get tougher on everybody, human and dog, as time goes on. But I don't want to just like hit the ground running when I meet someone new. I think especially after COVID. We're all a little less resilient. Like I feel like- A
0: lot less. Everybody- A lot
1: less. Is dealing with other stuff like losses and, you know, sicknesses and all these other- things that go on but it's like we're so much less resilient we're so like drained and exhausted from everything that the world has thrown at us you know and the and how much separation we've had to have and all these other things that have been going on you know so yeah i mean it's just been uh i think working with the dogs is the easy part in a lot of ways that's
0: interesting i would not have thought that you'd have to walk on eggshells more so around the people i would not have guessed that
1: yeah and everybody's a little different like, I love it when people are just very open. And, like, I can tell usually right away with some people and other people, I'm like,
0: Where are we at? Uh, Where
1: are we going? Yeah, some people I never really fully get it. And I'm just like, Okay, they're, they're guarded. And I get that. Like, that's okay. But I don't, I think that's part of it too. Some people don't like realize that they're going to be any bit of the focus. And I'm just like, That's not the way the I roll. Problem. Now. Yeah, I don't roll like that. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to be invested. And if they're not, then I'd rather, you know honestly move on to somebody again it's not about the money it's like, just
0: about that you have to be invested yeah it's like, like you you have to want to be better in some regard yeah. right it's not just about your dog getting better it's like we're gonna work through this totally. together as a team
1: yeah i want them to be like one of the team members and i and that's, what that's I, a good
0: bro- approach to have right
1: absolutely because i i i'm not gonna take your dog home at the end of the day like you are so um and your dog. As soon as I take the leash can totally respect me and be totally cool with me. But I hand the leash back and they can be like total disaster. It's like uh, I grew up um, with horses, you know, since I was a little kid. My grandpa was big in horses and then got my first horse at 12 and I did a lot of horse showing. So I like learned like really sincere like discipline, like – Going to trainers every week, being told what to do. They didn't put kid gloves on you. They're like, sit back, shoulders back, you know, knock it off, cool it, get your hand down, cut it out, quit whining, get back on. You get bucked off. I don't give a shit. You know. We're going to go. Dust off your freaking boots and get your ass back on that horse. And we're not going to quit. And I'm like, okay. So, I mean, even like my... It was actually my friend's idea at the time, but her parents said no. Um, did you ever have to – Did you ever, I don't know if that's even a thing, the senior exit project. I think that was a thing that, no, like, did not – No, I think it not, just
0: missed my generation. It should
1: have – I feel like it should have been a long-term thing. It just kind of came about when, when I was, like, maybe a freshman or in eighth grade. And so my friend's idea, which I totally stole from her, um, was to adopt a wild Mustang and tame it. And so This was
0: just her she just had this idea out of the blue. Yeah, as
1: we were horse chicks. okay. And she's like, dude, a wild mustang's 100, we handle that hundred bucks. And I was like, oh, What's it really a hundred dollars? Yeah. And I don't think it's a whole lot more than that now. Wow. Uh, and so I was like, let's do it together. And we're like, Hell yeah, dude, we're doing it. And um, yeah, her parents were like, No. <laughs> and um, luckily my stepdad at the time was like, I'll I'll help you. And my mom's like, Oh, this is such a bad idea. But um I we went to an auction, BLM auction, and picked out Izzy and and took him home. He was freaking wild, he's two. And um it took me first to do like a research study on, like, whatever topic it was. So I, like, researched and, like, discussed and put this paper out about, like, you know, how wild Mustangs came about. Like, mostly, you know, all horse – no horses actually, like, were native to America. They were all brought over on ships. Mustangs are all, like, horses of different breeds and cultures that were brought over in war and got loose and started to roam and range free and and crossbred with each other. So Mustangs are, like, mixed-breed dogs, you know. And so, you know, Izzy was, like, my project for a long time of, like, learning how to be soft but firm, like, having to take my time to uh, to tame him and teach him to trust me. And, like, eventually, after, like, the six-month period, like, throwing my leg over and being like, and uh, and being able to present this to my, you know, board of different teachers that were, you know, and I ended up, like, winning an award for it, which is oh, pretty whoa. awesome. But I think that was some, some of the earlier stages of, I think, that I've just now even starting to like connect with are that that youth and like growing up and all that discipline and all the things that i learned through horses totally ties into like being good at what i'm doing now
0: i think that's so important
1: just food like i would sit there for two hours if if it took for the first like three four weeks with food on my lap hay and just sitting in the pen until he would come over and eat the hay and if he didn't want to come over and eat the hay, I would pick up the hay and I would leave the pen. And he would go hungry for another hour or two, three hours, and I'd come back in and sit down. And if it was too tough for him, I'd put the hay at my feet instead, or a foot or two or three out ahead. Sometimes with dogs and horses and humans, you have to back off a little bit. When you see your legs like, set in the bar too high, it's like, eh. like
0: okay, we'll take a step back. Yeah. Please in yeah, like
1: there was a dog last night in class who was new to it and she was like, I was like, Okay, see if you can make it six feet out and back for stay and she was like ah. and the owner was getting frustrated I said just say sit stay okay and like leave it at that don't move and she was like okay and the puppy picked up on it and by the end of class she was doing six feet you know but yeah it's interesting like uh things as you get older and wiser <laughs> you start to realize like how your youth definitely like plays into like what you do in your future and that's been something more recently I've realized like being a horse person Um, And just being regimented and disciplined, like even now with my horse, her name is Bling, like going out and feeding her and cleaning up her stall and doing all that, brushing her and putting the fly spray on and making sure she's well cared for. I don't ride every day, so I could ride a lot more. But um, just the discipline of it, I think that's something that's really good, like for someone to have discipline and structure.
0: Yeah, That's what worries me about my generation and more so the generation below me, I feel like that is lacking. Yeah, I don't feel like the discipline is really there anymore. The
1: interest too seems to maybe not necessarily be there in certain disciplines. Like you can see now, like when Jason was younger, there'd be like I said, like two thousand plus people um, trying out to be a firefighter. Nowadays, like I don't do that shit. (laughs) It's too much work. Yeah. And, um, I mean, also, too, the whole generational thing, I was thinking about it before I came here today, is, like, being, like, Gen X or whatever, Um, I remember, like, getting my first pager when I was, like, 17, you know? And then, like, learning how to use the internet, like, when I was 19, 20 years old. I think there's, like, serious advantage to growing up without the internet. Um, I'm sure there's going to be, like, some huge positives for the people that have grown up with the internet, too, where... I'm like an archaic like dinosaur when it comes to that. So for the younger people, probably, oh, my God, you don't know how to like have a Zoom dog training class. Give me a break. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's pluses and minuses to both. But I definitely feel um, I feel good about like growing up with without the Internet, like and having so much at your fingertips all the time. I love the internet for certain things, like for cooking. Like, I love to cook.
0: There's a lot of useful stuff I'll be like, there.
1: how do I make, like, you know, Anything. chicken parmesan. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tip 500 Suna recipes. Cinnamon Mona salad. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You know, and, like, you get, like, t- yeah, exactly five different recipes, a 10 or a million different things. Social media really helped me out a ton, too, when I first started Oh, with, like, branding.
0: Yeah. like It's a very powerful tool. I
1: love, I, I'm, like, kind of a, an amateur photographer, if I you know, thought I was good at it with my iPhone. I love taking pictures of animals and nature. So I love taking pictures of my classes, my people and their dogs, like working and training and especially outdoors. Like that's one of the reasons why we stayed in Humboldt when my husband got out of the Coast Guard and he got hired by what at the time was Eureka Fire Department. Now it's Humboldt Bay. Like it's so beautiful here, even if it Rains a lot, which nowadays it yeah it hasn't happened and in the past couple years. It has not been as insane. Like yeah. I remember the first like seven, eight, nine years. I mean, there'd be like two months like in the different world. In our like half our backyard would be underwater, and it just like, or the fog wouldn't drain. We, I
0: I can't remember the last time we had really thick fog like when I was yeah. growing up.
1: Well, even just this the, the last like. I feel like, I like I said, you haven't always say, I feel like you don't have any, like, sense of the seasons. Like, where I grew up as a kid, it was very distinct winter, spring, summer, fall. Uh, even up to, like, a week ago, it was, like, seriously with the freaking, like, doldrums of the freaking, you know, just the not necessarily in the fog, just not seeing the sun. Yeah. um Yeah, summer solstice, I had, like, a class on Tuesday, and I was like, ah. Because we were out in Ferndale at my old boss's house, and it was so beautiful, and the sun was shining. And I do not like the heat, so I love that when there's a sunny day in Humboldt, and it's like 70. I'm like, okay, I'm hot enough. Perfect.
0: Yeah, perfect. We can stop right there. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I worry about the discipline
0: thing. Because it's not even discipline and just... It's the aspect of just doing things you don't want to do because you know it's going to benefit you, right? Yeah. That aspect of And having the self-drive to
1: do things that are uncomfortable, knowing, like... Nobody
0: wants to be uncomfortable anymore.
1: I was even, like, a little excited coming here today because I was like, oh, my God, I'm a little nervous. Jason's like, ha, ha, ha. Feels good. He's like, that's good for you. I'm like, I know. It's, like, kind of fun, like, to be a little nervous and uncomfortable. I'm like, I've never done a podcast. Like, when you emailed me, I was like, this is really interesting. It's funny how things are, like, kind of universal because we... We'd been watching podcasts, which um, one of my younger friends, she's like really into bi- big into podcasts. I'm like I don't get, I don't get it. I'm more like a music person, mm-hmm. like listen to music, you know. Um, but then we started like watching like he- Joe Rogan, like you know Mike Tyson, some of these other one. And and then we went to this thing that was a little out of our like realm of comfort too. It was like a benefit dinner, and it was all for like the Sunrise Rotary he had a f- for for Fortuna. Okay, and um. It was just, and I think there was like the one tie in I could see was like someone that worked for Tri County's Bank, maybe like you'd interviewed or knew. I wasn't even sure like how you, but it was literally like the next day I was like, oh, we'll go to this dinner. It'll be like a little uncomfortable, but it's for a good cause. And you know, you're around people you don't necessarily like have a lot in common with, but it was super fun. And then it was funny, the next morning I got that email from you and I was like, it's really interesting how the universe does that. Like when you push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone.
0: Things just start coming to you. Cool
1: things start coming to you. So I'm like, maybe what's next, you know? There's
0: that weird gravitational effect that people talk about, right? Where you just take that one step and then it opens up all these other doors. Like I didn't even anticipate that happening. And
1: it's usually an uncomfortable step.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're never going to have something fall out of the sky when you're just sitting on your couch watching tv yeah, it's the
1: hard stuff yeah 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 definitely for sure so yeah i was pretty excited about that i was like well why the hell yeah not? i was
0: excited when i found you i was like oh this <laughs> this will be awesome and yeah. then obviously we i got a ton of stuff and we've got cool awesome sake now from it i mean that yeah was, i might be ready for another one yeah actually. <laughs> i just i think i think that in more ways than one we are a lot like dogs in the sense that we need that structure and that's something that people today are really lacking is they they don't have the discipline and nobody's going to stand over you and say no this is what we're doing you're going to get up you're going to go for a run the physical requirement especially i think people are are way lower than we should be with our physicality yeah and just general exercise just going for a walk at Mm -hmm. the end of the day just doing something that like you can take a breath with. And say, you okay, have to I'm... make
1: yourself. Yeah, and yeah. people
0: don't like to do that.
1: No, and I, uh, we, and it was actually my husband's idea. Got a Nordic track last year because I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Like I feel like a So, and I'm like, COVID was rough. COVID was, was rough. I ate and drank my way, like I said, through COVID. Like for comfort, I didn't, I didn't lack in like the motivation, like pushing through hard stuff, work wise but like just being like stressed out coming home and just like making food and like drinking some beers or Because What else could you wine, do? They shut
0: like, down the gyms. So that's what pissed yeah. me off is they closed the gym.
1: I'm not a big was, gym person. Oh, I love
0: the gym. I the don't, gym is my I when my I spot. when I work
1: out my face gets like as red as a tomato and it's not pretty it's always been the case when i get overheated so i love the nordic track because i'm like in my home and no one has to see my red face is the
0: nordic track that's a treadmill it's
1: i have we have the elliptical oh the elliptical okay it's like the super fancy model and so since i got into it i've, I've fell off track a call it off track like here and there But like even just getting up in the morning, making it like my routine now, like this morning, getting up and doing it, like they make it really uh, motivating to kind of like my training classes. I think of it as like when I turn on the screen and you're doing like a certain series, they're like, okay, we're going to do this today. And you have like your little coach on the screen. You can play music. And they're like explaining to you about like how to deal with your your aerobic threshold versus your anaerobic and all these different things. And I'm like, oh, I love oh, yeah. this. And today's hiking day. Like today was like um what what would you not interval runs. I hate interval runs. Oh, that's like torture where you have to like
0: go super hard for a few jog that's yeah, super and then hard. Then I'm just like, back. I'm
1: going to die. Or barf. Yeah. <laughs> hiking is my thing. And I think my body's conditioned to it because of Daisy. Thank you, Daisy. Um, my body's conditioned to hiking now. I mean, I'm I'm. everybody's good at something different. Like I'm not a runner. Hiking, climbing, riding horses a little bit. I'm not a mountain climber by no means. But um, yeah, today was like, uh, oh, it was just like consistent running, like jogging. And I was like, holy crap, I I jogged for 30 minutes and I didn't die. And you feel so much better afterwards. It, It sets the tone for the rest of my day now. So I'm like, as much as I can do that consistently, but I have to make myself. No one's going to tell me to do it. That's the thing. Rose isn't going to tell me. They're going to be like, stay in bed. Yeah, we could just chill out. Let's eat something crappy for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, let's do this or that. Yeah, self-discipline is like not easy. Having your own business makes it tough sometimes. Like, I was sick a few weeks ago and I luckily wasn't COVID or anything like that, but just the Humboldt crud. I don't know if you've had the old.
0: Oh, yeah. Have yeah, you lived here away. your oh, yeah. whole life? I was born and raised. Okay. So, you know, the what... Humboldt crud, yeah, it's come.
1: I've had COVID. I had, like, I think what would be called the original version of it. And the... and I've had the Humboldt crud and I feel like the crud's worse because it lasts longer. It's not great. Like, my voice is even still, like, just kind of adjusting. And um, having to. Make the call and not just call in sick. I was like, I miss working at the vet clinic because I could just call in sick. Um, But having to make the call, but also, like, at back in the day working at the vet clinic, if you're sick and, like, can't get out of bed, you can get one sick day. But then get your butt back to work. And No one cares if you're in the back coughing up a lung. Now you have to be a lot more, like... I don't know sensitive because you, when you cough or sneeze you feel like everyone's like
0: <sighs> oh they do it's not even just you feel that way people legitimately now everybody if you cough especially in a bank i've noticed if oh you go into a Lord. bank and you start i don't sneezing, go in banks
1: anymore <laughs> i do the night drop box that's not
0: good yeah <laughs> i
1: avoid certain situations though yeah. because i'm trying to stressful. cut the banks
0: out of my life too it's night like, drop you know, box yeah <laughs> yeah i just use cards now i don't I'm think like, i've don't ever gone to,
1: go. to coast i haven't gone into coast central since before covid i'm just like
0: i went a couple of weeks ago and it's still you just feel on edge you're Walking in there, yeah.
1: Yeah, no. I don't I, have
0: COVID. It's just allergies. I know. Just allergies. And
1: allergies have been bad this year too. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was horrible because I'm like laying there sick and I'm like, there's nobody else to like-
0: Nobody's going to go in for you. No,
1: nope. And there's nobody else to do. I'm, so I'm like laying in bed, like looking through my list of people and having to like email them and cancel and like call people and being like, this sucks. I don't want to be my own boss right now. That's really- the only time where it sucks really bad when you have to, like, make the call yourself over stuff like that. Um, but all in all, I mean, it's pretty awesome being your own boss. Oh, it's
0: way better than working for somebody. Yeah. Way better.
1: I mean, I, I I learned so much and, like, really enjoyed my time at the vet clinic for the most part. There's people that would come and go that you're like, oh, I don't like Don't you know. need to see them again. Yeah, but the 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 period of time, like, 2010 to 2015, was like I made a ton of friends. Like, when they Ferndale Vet bought Fortuna Vet... And, like, they hired a bunch of us, like, young vets. Actually, one of my good friends, Chris Flores. I was like, there's probably no relation because he does not come from here. But when I saw your last name, I was like, Flores. Chris and his wife, Jen, own the vet clinics now. And, like, when I met him, he was, like, a new grad. And so a lot of the friends that I made that are, like, hopefully going to be lifelong friends was, like, during that five-year period of time. But then, yeah, it got to a certain point where I was like, it's time for me to, like, fly away and, like, do my own thing uh i don't know if i want employees though like ever i think
0: you have a very healthy perspective i think on how you want your business to be and where you want to go with it Uh i think you're right a lot of people get lost in the sense that they just try to scale it yeah so fast that you just lose a lot of the authenticity that got you to where you are yeah
1: i want to enjoy it like i'm i'm not one to want to get rich and i don't need to i just want to be comfortable and i really want to enjoy like what I do. I, I actually like love my job. And sometimes when I'm really tired and I don't want to go, it's because I've I've put too much of a workload on myself and set the bar too high. Like, you know, four group classes in a week, like 60 people and then like 10 clients privately. I'm like, "Why?" My husband's like, "You're you're in charge, dummy." Like, "Why did you do this to yourself?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Cuz I want to help people, not cuz I'm trying to get rich, you know. But yeah. Oh, she's going to be snorkeling. Well, that's Rose snorkeling in the background. She says, "I'm getting bored of she you guys." She heard that and
0: she started laughing. Yeah. I'm like, "We're going to be rich. Yeah. We're going to make some money."
1: <laughs> she says, "I'm pretty comfortable getting bone broth for breakfast in the morning, so I don't think she has any complaints." <laughs> yeah. I do like the one woman show thing though. Like, i do not to say I'm hard to work with, but I have pretty high expectations. I've had people volunteer for me, and um, I've had people we've traded, uh, you know, work for dog training. And like, sadly, the few times I've done it, it's like ended badly. And um, I am, I'm, I could be a grump. Like before class, I'm like really intense sometimes. It's like a lot to take on when you're dealing with um, training people and their dogs at the same time, it can be dangerous. Like you get, you don't lose control of a group of people. And like if one dog's dangerous and aggressive and you're not paying attention. So I'm like really intense and I want it to be quiet. and like, don't want anybody to bug me. And, and I think too, like you, we were just talking about the discipline. Like I, I would, if somebody came my way and was like, I'll volunteer and grovel and do whatever the fuck you say. And I'll keep my mouth shut. Cause I want to learn. That would be me like with mentors that I had when I was a kid it was like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and like whatever you say because I want to learn. Um, the resiliency for some people I think is not there. Like too much whining. Like I don't know. I'm just – I'd rather just do it myself I guess. I would love to be a mentor. I kind of miss like having mentors and being able to just be told what to do too because I've had a lot of those like mentors over the years where I'm like, oh, I just love to like learn and – you know, absorb somebody's information that's, like, way better than me at something. I miss that about the horses That's a and lost stuff. art now. Yeah. And I, it is, like, a lot of the mentors I had, are like, are gone. Like, older people that aren't even around anymore, you know. A lot of my horse trainers were, like, really tough on me when I was a kid. And, like, wipe your tears away, man. It's, like, not going to get better if you cry about it. Just deal with it, you know. So, yeah. And I, I don't know. Like, I think... Having my, my dogs can I'm sensitive enough with them. They can handle it when I'm being grumpy and tough and I need them to be serious. Like we got here, actually I stopped at Little Japan and she was being all anxious in the Jeep, like being pushy to get out. And I was like, you need to go lay down and knock it off. Like she could feel like I was a little bit jacked up about something was happening. And she was kind of like, Jeez, what the hell's wrong with you? So when we got here, she was like, and I was like, stop. Like, you need to sit down. And she sat, and I was like, okay, now you can get out of the car. And she was like, okay, sorry, geez." I was, like, I was getting,
0: like, just excited. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what we're doing. And she's,
1: you know, but they absorb your energy. Yeah. So she was like, something weird's going down. And she, she was, could tell something was up. ramping up instead of being like, it's okay. I was like, knock, knock it off. Stop. And she's like, all right. But you can't always tell people to do that. Be like, Yeah. yeah. Especially
0: when it's their baby, right?
1: When they treat their dog like, this is my yeah. baby. It's and like, I'm not going to be rude to them. Yeah. Like, I'm really sensitive. Like- I'm, like, could be a crybaby. So, like, if somebody makes a comment on social media that's, like, negative or whatever, I used to be a little more, like, you know, like, talk about shot colors or pinch colors. I'd rather do that, like, face-to-face with people because there's always somebody out there online that'll be like, no, fuck that. You're wrong. Like, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I've had, like, a, I think I have, like, one bad Yelp review. I hate Yelp, first of all. Like, they're kind of the, they were the Gestapo of, like, with the 2010s, I guess you would call it. They would like literally call my business number three times a week and be like, would you like to pay us to have all of your good reviews like brought back up on your platform because they would post like your two bad reviews and like they would they would basically hide
0: all the good ones.
1: And then they would expect you to pay them. And so, yeah, I mean, I remember I would to get like one bad review here and there and I was just like heartbroken. So I'm a, I'm a total wuss, like about that kind of stuff. Cause, um, you know, I'll take criticism if I deserve it. And, and I'm, you always take to heart, like what people say. So I understand. And I'm, I try to be sensitive to other people. Sometimes like I've had people like say things or be like well I didn't appreciate the way you treated me in that class or you were so abrupt or this or that I'm not coming back and I'm like one thing you don't understand is though it's like you didn't hire me to just sit with you. You, you you came to like a class with 15 other people and dogs and I'm trying to like keep everybody in line and everything under control so there's no drama and no dog fights and you know no chaos so and that's
0: the added pressure, right? Is if one dog, like you said, if one dog goes sideways. Yeah. You don't know what's gonna happen like, with the other fifteen. Knock
1: on wood, no dog fights. I have not had to use that million dollar liability insurance so far. I'd care not to. Yeah. We could
0: we could go the whole time without using that. That'd be great. For best. sure.
1: Yeah. So I would care I would care to like be a little more intense if I need to, but sometimes it hurts people's feelings, and I never mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but sometimes Well you... yeah,
0: you're not setting out to do that.
1: No, never. Like that's definitely not my intention ever, is to hurt anybody's feelings. But sometimes it seems like feelings get hurt so much easier nowadays
0: than they ever used to. Again, I think that's just because people haven't, if you don't, there's, somebody said this quote where it's the hardest thing you've had to deal with is the hardest thing you've had to deal with. Yeah. And it's like, that's subjective to everyone. Like you might've gone through something that was a 10 for you and just this cataclysmic event in your life and you feel like, oh, this is why I'm this way now. It's because I went through this really hard thing and that's a two for somebody else. I agree. It's like you, what? Yeah. Somebody yelled at you and now your whole
1: month has been ruined because- Some stranger said something that you didn't really like, and now. For me, it's like a cumulative little shit where I end up being like, I it just builds up. Yeah, I have a great friend. She said this to me not too long ago, right on that same line of field. She was going through something, and I found myself like complaining about some shit that wasn't like looking at her shit. I was like, why am I complaining to her? And I said that. she goes, everybody's stuff's their own stuff, like your struggles no no better or worse than mine. Like I believe that you're like just as stressed or going through as hardest. As-. And I was like, oh, I love you. You're amazing Amber. Uh, shout out to Amber great friend yeah and it and it totally opened my eyes to like yeah I mean I know that but to be reminded by somebody else and to have people be like you know when everybody's going through different stuff you can always look at somebody else and be like they're going through way worse stuff than me but you can kind of be hard on yourself too at the same time be like you shouldn't be complaining like you got it easy like you shouldn't be hard on yourself because this person's Definitely got it harder. I think, yeah, like you said, like, everybody's stuff's subjective. and You need balance. Yeah, and I think the whole resiliency thing after COVID, like, everybody's just so tired and already, j- like, can't even really adjust and is, like, wondering what's going to come next from the government and, like, all this stuff going on. It's, like, now they're saying babies should get COVID vaccines, but we are not wearing masks. Like, what's going to happen? What's next? Like, what's going on? There's a war now. And so it's, like, there's... The all the stuff that we have to deal with day to day, I think, is so much harder for everybody. So, like when someone stops coming to dog training class, I, I'm like, you'd get really bummed out. But I understand they're just like, I just can't do it today. You know, I can't come, or I'm, I can't keep training my puppy because I've got all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like. Oh, talk's gonna be such an asshole if you don't keep doing it. But I can't make people come back. I just have to support them. I had a client recently who was like admitted that she had like she was backing out of the class, and I just said, "You've got like one opportunity here. He's aging," and I was like, "I just really hope maybe you can you can figure it out and like come." And she admitted like this is all via email that she had like severe social anxiety after COVID, and I was just like, "I'm sure it's really hard," and like. You can only do what you can do, but, and like, I'll promise you I'll do the best I can to, like, help you. And, like, I promise that your dog will be better in the long run if you can, like, muster pull up the strength to just show up and do it. Like, whether you wear a mask or not, I don't care. If you want to sit in the corner, if you need me to open a window or a door for you, if you can only come, you know, for half an hour and you have to leave early, like, just try to show up. And she did, and I was so excited. She was like, hi. And I was like, yeah. So those are the kind of situations that make me happy. It's like when you see people like be resilient, like stick it out, you know. So that's that's the good stuff. Dogs, I think they can like make or break happiness too. They can like ruin your life and be a total punk or like you can just absolutely adore and love your dog and and really enjoy life with them. Uh, That's why I love my dogs. They're all different and they're all good at certain things like daisy's just so not good at some things i could not bring daisy in here she would be like growling at you yeah Yeah. not being like super bad but yeah no it wouldn't be like putting her in a chair yeah rose is just like rose snoring i've got my blanket i'm okay she's totally good yeah she's like i get it i'm fine (laughs) so yeah
0: yeah it's important just taking those small steps because if you can take one you can take another it's when you start stepping backwards at it okay we're gonna have a problem yeah because then that you train your brain almost like you're training your dog you train your brain and if you train it to okay i feel uncomfortable so we're not going to do that that's going to be your perspective Definitely. and then every wall you hit oh we're going to take a step back
1: and this step like it's way harder and harder to deal with yeah i i grew up like wanting to take those steps even like my mom was really supportive of me like my dad died before i was right before i was born and stuff and i had a you know Two different, like, great, excellent stepfathers, like, over the period of time until now, like, and that were wonderful. But, like, my mom's always been so loving, kind of, two wonderful older brothers. But it, there's always, always, like, the, I was, there was always some, like, inner, like, strength, like, pushing and making me do, like, the awkward shit to, like, be better. And I like that. Like, I don't know where that came from, but if I think it's just doing it and then knowing that it helps and then keep doing it, like, yeah, the hard stuff like
0: makes a difference. Yeah,
1: it'd be easy to be like, nah, I don't want to do podcasts, nah, I don't like that. I'm it's like, a little oh. out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I was like, oh no, this sounds awesome. Like, I'm so tired and bored. Like, not that I'm bored and don't get it wrong, clients, I love all of you. But doing new things is fun, and COVID really shut that down for everybody. I'm like not getting to do anything new, you know,
0: not getting to branch out of your comfort zone.
1: And when you work a lot. You just work and work and you're like, holy crap, time is just flying by.
0: And running a business, you can just get lost in that where it's- Yeah. Every day you're just, you're hitting that grind. Yeah. You're trying to, okay, we got to do this. We've
1: got this tomorrow. We've got this the next day. Yeah. It just like takes over your life if you let it- I have to like have a scheduler in front of me that I not my phone because I'll look at my day on the phone and be like oh yeah I can add one more thing and then I'm miserable so I like do the monthly thing with a pencil the old school way and I like write in shit and I'll be like off we'll be like a day off with like three lines underneath it and an exclamation point so that I literally have to erase that to to like give myself a day off or not and that like some of that stuff the mental stuff will like work or not work for you that has really helped yeah because then lot. you go
0: to erase and you're like oh i shouldn't do this i yeah. shouldn't do this Especially and even that just small barrier of not wanting to push through that is, erasing is good. it versus yeah.
1: like clink like adding yeah, if you delete it on, on your phone, phone
0: it's like mm, no having okay. to
1: erase it with an eraser and a pencil
0: <laughs> i just start writing into a, a planner i got one of those weekly planners because i would do the same thing yeah. it was just reschedule or move things around and it's like no okay we're gonna start putting this on paper because then you have that barrier
1: it's more tangible yeah like my little scheduler goes with me everywhere. it's like the whole monthly thing and sometimes i look at it i'm just like i can't not have like two days off in a row or th- or three you know you start to learn your like limits mm-hmm. and be like if i don't respect those limits something's gonna we're gonna happen. have a problem my brain will like check me like with the epilepsy if i'm good like it's it's all good but if uh, if I overdo it, my brain will check me. So I've learned... You feel
0: like that stress aspect plays yeah, into it? Yeah, it?
1: it'll start... Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, and my neurologist even said to me not too long ago, which stuck with me, he's like, from what you're saying, it sounds like you're taking in too much data. Because he's like, when you're having, like, your your more issues, like, your brain is, like, way overloaded, and you're t- you have way too much data in your head, like, being awake at night thinking about... You know, having like all these dogs and people and like scheduling, it's like, I call it a super highway of information, like not able to just chill out and relax.
0: You just can't shut it off.
1: Yeah, because there's just too much data, too many people, too many dogs, too much work, too much other responsibilities. Like a day off for me is just like waking up and working out, drinking coffee, feeding all the animals. We have fish and the chickens and the cats and the dogs and then seeing the horse and like it's already a lot of freaking responsibility, you know, and then... Keeping up a relationship that you spend time together. We're going to be celebrating 21 years in a few weeks. Congratulations. So thank you.
0: Yeah, that's a big thing too, right? A lot of people sleep on their relationships.
1: Yeah, and on and off, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I've put work first before everything else and then everything else does suffer. And you like suffer the consequences like horse gets sick or you miss something with one of your pets or your husband's grumpy. You know, it's like, oh, I'm neglecting all these other areas that should be more important than work. Um, sometimes when you put work first, that's the business ownership aspect of things, I think, too. It's like it's your baby. You don't want to fail at your work when it's you. And, like, you can't be like, it's his fault or her fault. It's all you. You're like, okay, but, yeah, what's most important, though, at the end of the day, the week, the month, the year, or the end of your life? Like, I worked really hard or I enjoyed my life. I'm kind of there right now after it's been – six years now since I, like, have done this full-time, I'm starting to really check myself and see, like, where the limits are and, like, love want to keep loving my job, but I don't want to expand it. I don't want to make it way bigger. I just want to keep doing it, and I hope people are patient cause, or understanding cause that breaks my heart when people are like, I tried to get a hold of you and you, didn't, you weren't there to help me. I'm like, I'm sorry, but, yeah, that's, that's the tough part of it is the bookkeeping, the Taxes, uh, they got hit hard this year. Did you? Yes, he had a big increase this past year, so that was painful, very painful. Um, but hey, it is what it is. Yeah, taxes will get you. Yeah, he was like, You know, I mean, I know this doesn't probably like help right now, but a lot of people lost their businesses, so good, yeah, for that's you not helpful good for advice. You. Like, I'm, well, like, I'm like, like, <laughs> like fucking but yeah, okay, you. yeah,
0: that's going to make me happy about paying a lot of in taxes, right? <laughs> but Good he balance.
1: was right. It was a silver lining. It was like a lot of people did lose their businesses and were t- are totally like... <sighs> just out.
0: Out. Well, how many people just lost their business because they were shut down because of COVID? Exactly. And couldn't... It just couldn't work cuz the yeah. government said no you're yeah some you're of the closed.
1: businesses there's no way that they could keep it's like you can take your restaurant rogue on the at the park or on someone's private property and keep running it like i just figured out ways to keep it going and it wasn't so great in 2020 but last year people started coming out of their shell and they were like oh i just need to get out and like a lot of people made me really happy cuz they were like coming to your classes is like the most exciting and like fun part of my week that really made me happy Cause they're like, yeah, getting to be around people, and be outdoors, and be with my dog, and learn from you has been like the best part of my week. And I'm like, nice, doing something right.
0: Yeah, that feels good. Yeah. And then the negative comments, and it's like, oh, it's yeah. not so great.
1: Luckily, I don't get a lot of those these days. I I don't put that much out there other than the positive stuff on social media. I don't like arguing. Like, my husband's a big debater. He educates me on all the stuff. And I just, like, take it in and, and hear it, you know? He keeps me up to speed and all the shit going on. Um, but I don't like to talk about things that I don't know for sure about it's like you know the whole like should you get a covid vaccine or not stuff like that i'm like i know what's right for me but i'm not going to tell you what's right for you
0: a lot of people do not have that perspective yeah i a lot know of people will, will be i mean me included in some sense because 90 percent of what i do here is talk about shit that i don't know anything about so i can't talk but it's when people get aggressive with it, and they're like, "No, you need to do this because yeah. of X, Y, or Z." Like yeah. You, I feel this way, and you should feel this way too, or you are not a good person. Yeah. That's when it gets a little dicey. That's
1: not cool with me. Yeah. Like I, people even got to a point where they were asking me if, like, I'm gonna check people's COVID vaccines records and stuff like that. And I was like, I, I'm not doing that shit. Like, all I care about is your dog's vaccine records, not yours. And personally, I, I never got a COVID vaccine, and it's not for me. And that's something I've I've kept really quiet about, don't really talk about. And I've like skirted and skirted around if people ask me, like I'm a very honest person.
0: But you're not advertising it. No.
1: And I don't I don't really want to. I don't want to argue with people about it. But if someone asks me and like opens up the discussion, I'll be like, Yeah, hell no. No freaking way, man. But that's me. Like and I even just like barely kind of dabbled in discussing with family members or friends about not getting it and and you could see the little wall go up a little bit and I was like oh no I there's just...
0: like a look in their eyes yeah and, and I was like, like I'm sorry hits.
1: it's it's cool it's cool it's cool I'm not gonna bring it up anymore but for me personally I don't know it's just the instinct was like no my draw line was like if the if I'm like holding not to be dramatic, but, like, if I'm holding the hands of my loves, loved ones as they're, like, dying of this and, like, this is directly affecting, like, my inner circle in life, like, and it's becomes, like, legit, like, intense and insane for sure. But coming from a background of, like, giving inoculations, vaccines to animals and, like, knowing about vaccines in and out, having vaccines, like, a tetanus vaccine years ago that, like, left my arm, like, hot and painful and swollen and red for, like – three four months like just being super sensitive i'm allergic to like 95 percent of antibiotics and just not trusting something that just came out like you know or got into a discussion with somebody in the vet field that was like what's wrong with you 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 should know better like i hate not that. gonna throw when them people, under the bus but do that you coming from where you what you did i said yeah but Like the vaccines that have been, you know, manufactured and researched and done have been around for decades and decades and decades for animals. And I've also seen my animals and other people's animals get them and what the pros and cons are, like a leukemia vaccine for cats. Um, Some cats can get cancerous tumors from them and then they end up having to have their their leg amputated. Whereas so like I keep my cats indoors so that they don't have exposure to other cats with leukemia so i don't have to give them leukemia vaccines you know and so yeah um, during the whole covid thing i wasn't like i'm not i would never use the term like anti-vaxxer or masks or anything like that i even think now like maybe one positive thing about the masks is like yeah if you're sick and coughing all over the place like maybe you should be like covering that shit up you know but yeah and i was like don't ask me about my vaccine status, and I'm not gonna ask you about yours. That's totally different, you know, and luckily, I've been in situations where that hasn't been pushed to the limit, but it was it felt dicey for a while. I was like whew, if I have to choose not to fly or not to travel here, not to do that, then so be it. I guess that sucks really bad, but that's gonna be like what in my heart I feel is the right thing to do so. Um, I have family members and close friends that have gotten it and that haven't gotten it. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's all good. Like, don't don't tell me I should and I won't tell you that you shouldn't. I, I Again, like I kind of had those little discussions briefly and was like, I feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, the tension.
1: Yeah. You don't want to lose friends or like loved ones that, in that open line of communication because they're offended or vice versa. Like that's not worth it to me.
0: An interesting thing that I noticed was a lot of the tension seems to come from the people who were pushing the vaccine.
1: Oh definitely. Most of the time
0: people that were anti it weren't trying to push people to say, oh, you shouldn't get it. It was just like this was my decision. I didn't get one. And that's, that's that. Like, yeah. I just didn't, I More didn't, of
1: the just... anger came from the other side. Yeah, yeah. In
0: a weird way, because they were pushing it as this thing of, oh, you need to do this not necessarily for yourself, but to protect everyone else. Yeah.
1: They were making it like, it, it's offensive for you not to because... It's you, a moral issue. You're being irresponsible and rude. You're going to kill grandma. You're going to like, put everybody at risk here. So what the hell is wrong with you? How, how messed up are you that you wouldn't? And yeah, it's like... This has been a rough time like for everybody. Me and my husband just kind of my, my husband almost lost his job over it. Um, his, his close friend did. He got fired. Uh, and luckily there's a thing called a religious exemption. That, um, oh and
0: he used that yeah and it worked
1: he grew up catholic he's we got married catholic we're not at practicing catholics now but um i'm actually a minister of the life church uh, uh and I, I i was a minister married my close friend shaylen her husband ian and so my husband was able to use that avenue of approach of that you know we are members of the universal life church no i didn't have to like be a monk or go you know live in a church or you know have to do this that and the other but I was I'm a legit minister on the internet (laughs) but all in all like I had to go through the motions of like learning how to how to um to do all the things to put on a freaking wedding which was so shocking that was probably one of the craziest things that's like out of your comfort zone and they sat me down and were like will you be our minister and I was like what the
0: fuck and this was before you went through that route
1: yeah, oh yeah, I'd i never done that before. I, and I was just like, let's let's do this. But that was intense. But 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 my husband being able to, you know, find a way to legitimize like not taking the vaccine for religious reasons was like a huge saving grace. Like he could have lost his job.
0: Yeah. Well they were trying to and I don't know whatever happened with it, but they were trying to fire navy SEALs that didn't want to do it. Yeah. Like, oh, these um... people what these people are risking getting shot at and you're gonna get mad that they don't have this shot
1: there's a guy that my husband follows who's a like a firefighter in new york city and he talks about like there's thousands of them and police officers and and there's a lot of this i guess controversy over like pilots and why you know flights are so difficult to get on and like um, flights are getting canceled because there's a lot of people that are just getting fired for not getting the vaccine but they don't want to talk about it they're just firing them You know, you like delayed flights or flights canceled. Oh, it's huge right now. Yeah. And I don't like the whole like debating controversy that I can't prove or know that's real. So I don't like going there. But it's just that ominous feeling in the air of like, what's going on? Something's up. What's going on? Yeah. And the forcing. I, I get that, you know, and everybody has a story. Like a lot of people around me have had these stories and like, They and they've seemed like legit, so I don't think they're making it up that a friend or family member, this person died of it and this and that, you know. And but I never had those moments that I went back to of like, I wasn't, I have never been holding the hand of my loved one dying of COVID. So I felt like it was the right choice for me to do it, you know. I was just like, well, I'll figure it out, we'll figure it out together. Luckily, me and my husband are on the same page with it and just. We're not anti anything. We're just like for like what's what feels right to me, you know what feels like the right thing to do, and that that for us was the right thing to do. <laughs> Roses on She's the mic. To say hi. Are you bored?
0: <laughs> like you guys are talking about COVID. She's I'm like, oh, I'm ready man. for this conversation. Well, totally,
1: yeah, one one of my family members was like early on was like I heard that dogs. Like dogs can, dogs are like starting to contract COVID, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna lose my mind." But coronavirus has been around for a long time. There's like many, many. There's a lot of variations of it. it, Yeah, it's in the like uh, the dogs like multi vaccine. A lot of them have that C in there um, for coronavirus. You know, it's like, yeah, viruses suck. They're shitty and they're not fun. When we got. I think we got it. We didn't test ourselves because this was, like, way back when you'd have to, like, drive in. I was like, I Mm. can't drive anywhere. I feel like I'm going to die. So we just stayed home for, like, three weeks. We were super sick. But this was, like, in that first year where I think that original version of the virus was, like, hardcore. It's, like, felt like nothing I'd ever experienced before. It was, like, really mentally um draining like you'd wake up and be like okay i got this and you're like nope i'm down for the rest of the day and like in bed like no energy and like it's just really weird crazy symptoms but i just thought i don't know i'm like kind of grew up with the whole like get your immune system in order man like get your feet in the dirt and get out there and like if you catch a cold or you catch something bad like try to get through it i've i've focused a lot on like getting healthier And, like, um, taking better care of myself, eating better, and, like, taking supplements and all that type of stuff, too, is, like, well, this is something I can do. Yeah. Like, to try to fight off things that come my way, you know? So
0: And that's the biggest thing. And whenever you start to bring up actual statistics, people get a little weird. But if you are healthy and you're active, your chance of getting ill and and dying more so is so low yeah it just is so low and people hear that and they're like yeah but what about all the people that aren't and it's like i know yeah that's a that's a problem but we should be focusing on people exercising and eating right yeah. and getting them healthy and yeah. if they want to get the vaccine get the vaccine like nobody's arguing that but
1: that's the hard get healthy the hard road though is it's just like the hard road with dog training is like showing up to classes every week and training your own dog that's the hard road the easy road would be like drop your dog off at my facility yeah and come back and pick it up or you know give up or whatever yeah the hard road's not the easy road it's like maybe i'll get this you know vaccine and it'll solve all my problems and like i said i just really hate even talking about that topic at all in general but it's one I've, like, skirted around for a long time, and I hate keeping quiet about it, but I feel like to keep my business alive and, like, to keep it safe, I had to just be really cautious about what I said to, like, 95 or more percent of people. Yeah.
0: That's what scares me today is that you can't people, – people cannot be honest about how they truly feel in either way. Freedom but- of
1: speech has been – just yeah like just gone ripped away from us not even people just gave it up they're like
0: yes here take this from us we don't need this anymore yeah
1: it's pretty scary so yeah stuff like this like your podcast and things like that are fantastic i like the fact too that it's like the art of like sitting down and actually having a conversation like if somebody wants to watch it then that's friggin' awesome because they're actually going to take the time to sit down and watch it like even if it's just five minutes that's more than just like scrolling through your phone and like looking at someone's photo and like clicking that you love it and all this stuff, you know. I love taking photos and like I love the quickness of like just getting a glimpse of someone's life or what what's going on and I love that with the dog training because I don't expect people to like, you know, unfortunately like if I wrote a book, like how many people are gonna buy my book and like read my dog training book. Now you gotta adjust with the times, you know, people Sometimes don't have the ability to sit down and like sit through and read some. I'm not a book reader. Um, That's more because I have such a crappy neck. My neck is, is a mess from car accidents and horse accidents. The car accidents oh, were been, not my fault, by the way. I was rear been rear-ended, but the horse accidents were probably my fault. But is
0: that from the the Mustang or just previous? One
1: was, yeah, that was like. I'd imagine
0: you get knocked off quite a few times trying to when break was, a Mustang. When I was a kid,
1: is like you just like.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. You fall. I off mean, and you're I like, probably oh, I'm fell okay. off like
1: over a hundred times easily, like since I was a kid. But yeah, when at one time I was like, I decided to like ride my first horse backwards and like have the local kind of dumbass older like barn guy like lead her back to her stall while I was on her backwards and he decided to like have her trot off and I and I lost my balance and like flew flung back and grabbed her by the flanks and she bucked and I fell off the back and she kicked me in the head like oh shit I I, like have a scar for life from that she kicked me in the head and you know and it's like I have left temporal lobe epilepsy. So that's kind of like, oopsies. Uh, And then I got a neck MRI like six months ago after this car accident a few years ago that I was in just to see what's going on with my neck because it's been so bad. And it's like, you know, narrowed space, degenerative disc disease, you know, bone spurs. See, reading a book is like not my forte because of that. My husband will like go to work and he'll take like two, three books to work with him. And he'll read them like that. And I'm just like envious of that. It's just not my thing though. I'm I'm a bit A D D too as well. Like not to use that term lightly, but I'm I'm more of a doer. Like like moving around. It's hard to
0: just sit there and focus on one thing. Definitely. I'm a mover.
1: Yeah. (laughs) For sure.
0: That's pretty intense. Getting kicked in the head with a horse. Yeah. Is usually a story a lot of people don't walk away from. Yeah,
1: my mom wasn't very happy about that one. Yeah. Yeah. And oh the the Mustang incident was more of a He just didn't know his strength. I was riding him and starting to, like, ride him out in, like, a more open space. And a field of, like, young horses went running by. And he just kind of got caught up in the moment and the excitement. And then when they feel someone on their back and they're not that well-trained, he just freaking – I mean, most – Tame horses that would like try to buck me. I'm like, please. (laughs) You know, it's like they're. You feel
0: pretty comfortable.
1: Yeah, because you got your moves and you figure it out and you like grab the rein and you pull them around and you get it under control. But he was like, nope, you're gone. And I just like head first into the ground. You know, it's like very humbling. I had this dog last week. It's like outweighs me, his big cane corso. And um, he was dealing with like some weird and secure like aggression leash issues, and we would done, had such a great session. And we're at the end, and I was getting ready to hand him back to the owner, and my neighbor walked by. This is at the park, and I was saying a few words to her, and I like took my eye off of him, and he just decided to like lunge at her kid out of nowhere. And he swept me off my feet like a horse. And it was like the first time in a long time that I'd felt humbled, like the horse incidents where I was like, and like my knee is legitimately screwed up right now. Like it's scraped bad, like really bad. Like ripping the pants, like bleeding, like full on. I was like, holy crap. Like, Oh, he
0: jerked you pretty good.
1: Like down to the ground and then like took me for a a sleigh ride for about 10 feet too. Was it a pretty big dog? Yeah, he's like 150 Oh, so, yeah, I was just like, okay, I need – it's like when, when you lower your guard sometimes with dogs, even for, like, a split second, they they will humble you. It's like some dogs are just, you know, more dog than others. That's Daisy. Like, Rose, you lower your guard with her, she'll just, like, give you extra kisses. Daisy will be like, ha, <laughs> ha you're I got right one. now yeah. ah, i'm gonna make I'm, my move i'm gonna be a bitch yeah yeah so <laughs> a lot like they're not horses in that sense but they definitely can be dangerous you know and this guy he didn't mean to like i gave him a verbal 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 shaming i call it and i was like you are so bad and he just looked at me like i'm sorry i didn't mean to he didn't really mean to but it's a big freaking dog Like, I wouldn't want a 150-pound dog, personally. Yeah. I don't want a dog. It's a lot
0: for most people to control, especially if you're not working it and you're just, I've got this
1: dog. Yeah, and these people are super responsible. It was just like, I was like, they were apologizing. I was like, it was actually like more my fault than theirs. I should have just said hi to my neighbor and got right back to paying attention to him. I should have known better, you know. So I'm kind of one to like take the blame. (laughs) Unless it's just straight up the dog's fault. Hey, stop, little fidgets. You're just fine. I know you've been very good. Yes. Oh, thank you for the smelly kisses. <laughs> I was uh,
0: I was running out around. Do you know where the armory is over by Sequoia Park? Yeah. I was running around the armory, and it was probably like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I was heading up towards Murphy's, and there were these two people walking these dogs, and I bet the dogs were probably a hundred and twenty pounds. I can't think. I don't know what kind of dogs they were because it was dark, but they were decent, decent sized dogs, mm-hmm. and I. Normally, whenever I'm running by, somebody else say, Hey, or like acknowledge them, especially if they have dogs so that they can kind of see me coming. Yeah, and which I did smart. Yeah, they were on one side of the street and so I moved into the middle of the road and was just gonna run by because I got kind of a weird feeling from them. Mm. And I'm probably parallel with them, about to pass them in the middle of the street, they're on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden I hear this lady start screaming. And I had time to turn and brace, and her dog was on me oh and i don't know if me stopping scared the dog but the dog just slammed into me didn't bite me didn't do anything just slammed into me Ooh. And the
1: lady's freaking out, screaming, making oh it a million times worse.
0: Oh my god, I'm so sorry. And I just froze. I was like, I'm not moving until you get a hold of your smart guy. Until you get a hold of your dog. And she grabs him, and I, she's like, Oh my god, she's talking to the dog. What? What? Yeah. She's like, Are you okay? And I'm like, Yup. And I just took off. I was like, well, I'm not, bye. I'm not sticking around for this. Yeah. But, but that's that's the cost of people. Luckily, that wasn't. I didn't get bit. I. Yeah. nothing happened but like when people don't train their dog you've got a meat missile you've got this animal meat
1: missile yeah, i love the, that you don't
0: know what's gonna happen <laughs> and yeah you can't control it and you're just out there are these two kids that walk where i live and they're probably six seven years old and they've got this giant pit bull oh gosh and they're just walking and every Get, time i see that dog, for a walk every time i see that dog i'm like if that dog decided he's gonna go those kids are screwed he's just
1: gonna go yeah
0: they're, yeah. they're not gonna stop them they're like 50 pounds the dog's probably 80 90 pounds
1: yeah i know goodbye it's like when a dog outweighs you like are what you... are you gonna do
0: and you just i mean i'm sure i don't know if the dog is trained or if, if the parents are like just go walk the dog yeah but probably those kids aren't stopping that dog yeah no and god forbid somebody walks by with another dog and something happens because what
1: yeah i see that sometimes it's game over and i'm just like oh i gotta look away yeah yeah you know, driving down the street and seeing that like that's one of my dog trainer pet peeves is like when people are just being taken for a toe by their dog and their dog's like like, all jacked up. That
0: dog's controlling you. You don't have any say in what's going to happen.
1: And like something goes by and then, and they're already that wound up. Something is going to likely happen. Like I just got caught off guard and humbled big time. I was like, oh man, I need to get my shit straight. Like not talk to my neighbor. You like know what you're doing. Yeah. So for the average person. Yeah. It was the first over. first time a dog's that really done that. I I got knocked off my feet one time, like for a second in the grass, but it was not as ugly as that. I was like embarrassed. I was like, oh, I look like such an asshole right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. I but
1: don't... yeah, it's like, you know, shit happens. You know? Shit
0: happens, but that speaks to you need to you need to train your dog. For sure. Because you have what you basically have a weapon if it's not trained. It and you're just be. hoping that
1: Yeah, we it's used be to roll our eyes like when the when like, you know, we first started getting pits. Now, like, the word pit bull doesn't have the same, like, impression on people as it did, like, back when we first moved here to Humboldt and we got our first pit. I remember both of our families being, like, legitimately, like, concerned when we we're like, we got a pit bull puppy. And they're like, <gasps> and we're like, you guys need to freaking grow up. Are you serious? Like, come on. But it was a different word back then. I don't know. You've lived here your whole life. So you, like, know, that, like, the blue pit bull phase
0: it was big everyone it had one of or
1: three or four in the back of their truck you know um but yeah They're just
0: sitting down in front of costco hey come buy one
1: yeah yes oh for sure yeah, yeah. we actually got a uh, one of our our pits we think he was like pit and bull terrier um from some kids that found him in a bush by winco and he had like a broken leg and like some sort of weird impalement injury and like skip skippy he was he was a special guy <laughs> like special um but um yeah i mean he was not a dog that like most people could handle that's how we ended up with daisy because after a few months of training her it was like this dog's gonna probably go to heaven if i don't take her because if i can't make any impact like on her once a week at the rate that we're going and then who's gonna be able to take her home and like you know be able to deal with all this stuff that's going on there's no freaking way you know, and is there somebody around here that's willing to do that? You know, probably not. You know, she's a great dog. They they hinder you, too, in a lot of ways. I think some people don't realize that until after a couple of years go by. And they're like, man, I can't take this dog to the dog kennel. I can't go to the dog park or the beach or, you know, have a pet sitter come and stay because the dog is this, that or the other. And, you know, we take our dogs on vacation with us. We don't we don't go like, you know, we don't fly in a plane like we haven't been to Japan. That's gonna have to come like after Daisy gets a little bit older or something like that. Because yeah, I mean some dogs can really hold you back, like with your life, like with some of their issues. It's so yeah, it, it takes a lot. Like when you do get a dog, if you adopt them or you get a dog from a breeder I think one of the most important things about getting a dog from a breeder and like paying someone is to make sure they're a really good breeder like we adore Rose and Levi's breeder she's amazing she probably doesn't profit much at all because of all of the money she puts into showing the dogs um, so they're titled having their eyes their ears hearing their hearts. Their joints, everything tested to make sure they're certified that they're not passing on hereditary conditions and all the different things. So, when people are like, "Oh, I don't, I would never get a purebred dog. I would never buy a dog from a breeder," but then there's the people who are like, "I would never get a rescue dog." It's like I like to kind of blend it all in together, like do both. Like we've had such an advantage to like having both like rescue dogs and like raising puppies. I mean, rescue dogs are essentially. They were puppies that were failed by their previous owner or owners. They didn't put in the work. So that dog ended up in a shelter because that first owner failed them, you know. That's so, an interesting way to look at it, right? So projecting forward don't support just anybody who bred their dog. It's hard when it's hard when that puppy's there already. And you're like, Yeah, but the it's already a living, breathing entity. And if I just give them, like, 500 bucks, like, you know, I'm saving that dog's life. But it's – I don't know. I think though, in the long term, like, focusing on regulations and things like that over all of us in all these different ways, there should be way more regulations on on animal control in terms of breeding dogs and cats. Cats not as much, but purebred cats, like, that's a lot less of a situation than dogs. But – If you wanted to like actually think about projecting forward and making a difference in how many dogs are dying in shelters all the time because there's nobody there to control them or take them on is would be to look at how people can just breed their dogs, you know, like Levi's not neutered you could look at that as a problem but we got we got to leave it under wraps like he's not going anywhere he's not going to go make babies with anybody anytime soon like that dog is with us all the time or in our house you know
0: yeah he's not going out for a night on the town and
1: he's not climbing the fence and cruising around no it's not how happening do you, how do you feel
0: about that cuz i've heard arguments where you really shouldn't neuter your dogs because it changes their attitude it there's, changes their demeanor in a lot of ways
1: there's been more studies recently too that um you know a lot of the veterinarians they're focusing on like they're focusing on population control so that's really important to like promote fixing your dogs if people aren't going to keep them their genitals under wraps and make sure they're staying in their yards and they're under control but at the same time there's a lot of studies there that have been done that uh these these dogs especially large breed dogs like if you look into golden retrievers and specific uh hip dysplasia and other issues like that are like actually like growth issues. Without those hormones, males testosterone too, and females hormones, and um, in place as they grow, they can come up with all kinds of like developmental issues that will pop up as they get older. There's, there's also the argument of like you know you don't fix a male dog, and eventually they end up with uh, prostate cancer. So it's like I can go it can go either way. I had a vet who I worked with recently. She said we were talking about Levi, and, and I was like, ah, it's like I haven't gotten him neutered because of COVID. Because I I at the vet I used to work with, I was like, I know they're not gonna let me like be there the whole time probably for his neutering appointment. Because again, I'm a control freak. I like want to be there to like hold his little paw, and like you know not necessarily watch the surgery, but like be there when he wakes up. That's the benefit of working at the clinic for 15 years is being able to like. You know, have been be like, yes, you can stay, Jana. <sighs> um, but then it turned into, like, she was like, you know, honestly, like, a breed like him, he's growing well. He's lean. He's got m- great muscle mass if you neuter him. You know, a lot of these, like, bully breeds and smaller breed dogs and stuff, they end up with a lot of metabolic issues. Um, and they end up getting, like, hypothyroidism or, you know, being overweight and having other problems. So I think the argument can go both ways. For sure. And I think that you have to also like think behaviorally. Like if Levi got to a point where he was being aggressive or he's – there's been times where I feel like there's probably – they say a male can smell a female in heat up to three miles, five miles away because their sense of smell is that much better than ours. Whoa. There's been some times recently where he's like in like legit turmoil. And I'm like, I don't want to torture you, buddy. Like, we'll we'll neuter you if like you look like you're tormented because your sense of smell is smelling the ladies, and and he's like so distraught. That's not a problem, but it goes away after a couple of days usually. But yeah, there has been a couple of times recently where like
0: it gets pretty intense. He's
1: turned into a demon all of a sudden. And he's like too. Two and a half. So we're like, oh god, this is bad. Like, and it's probably because in the breeder, that's how awesome she is. I'll like message her and be like, Levi's doing this. She's like, oh, it's probably because of this. I'm like, damn. And she'll come. She's she's like, we call her the guru of dogs. You know, because we'll ask her questions about the Boston's, and she's like, oh yeah, it's probably this or try this or do this. And I'm like, damn, she's, she's good. got it on lock. That's a good breeder. Yeah. She so, like she has an open line of communication with you. Like for the rest of that dog's life because she cares that much you know like that's an awesome breeder so yeah I think with people always look like what it say like adopt before you shop always look at a dog's temperament first like does this dog's temperament complement my life and what I really want do I want to hang out on the couch and chill Do I want a dog that kicks it with me? You know, do I want a dog that will run with me? Do I want a dog that won't eat my cats? Not to say eat, but you know what I mean. Do I have, you know, a bunch of animals and a busy schedule? Do I want a dog that's like a hunting breed? No. Do I want this, that, and the other? Do I want a protection dog, but I have kids under five? You know, and and, or a hyper dog, you know, so it's always look at temperament first. And I think it's always worth everybody like going to the shelters and exploring those dogs that are out there before just buying a puppy. And if you do buy a puppy, like be ready. And like my advice on puppies is there's such a limited window of opportunity like, you better take it right away. Like, I love it when people just take it right away and they contact me. The rare people, they're like, I'm about to get a puppy. And I'm like, yes. And they're contacting me because they're like, want to know when my next class is. And they want a consult. And they want this, that, and the other. So, like, always be proactive. And I think there's benefits to, like, puppies and and adult dogs and rescue dogs. There's plenty of people who get rescue puppies. They just might miss out on a little bit of that window of opportunity for socializing you know, just be a little bit more um, patient because they may have come from a shelter and they learned some bad habits there.
0: <laughs> yeah, 13 weeks Rose. is such a small, small time frame to really do some work.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of research that talks about like what, what happened, what exposure was the puppy put under in, in like the neonatal stage too, like with the mother. Like was she put under stress like before the puppy was even born and stuff like that. Talk about cortisol levels and stress hormones. and. All they
0: this. talk about that with, with people. Yeah, if- yeah. You have a mother who is just constantly stressed out, and her cortisol is always spiked, and that that can transfer into the fetus.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's way above and beyond like what we could focus on with dogs, but it's something to think about.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but how would you ever be able to gauge that? You know, especially if, if you just go to the shelter and you're like, if you have you just if got you got this dog, yeah, if
1: you go to the shelter and the dog's like stressed out, and neurotic, then that you know there's there's going to be some work that needs to be done if you're like a stressed out, neurotic person. You know, you might need to, like, really man up, woman up, uh, to, like, make that dog calmer. Sometimes it doesn't take just, like, loving them. Oh, if just, like, they'll grow out of it if I just love them. It's like, no. Sometimes it's tough love. Tough love is not, like, hitting your dog or yelling at your dog. Tough love is, like making them eat on a schedule and making them go for a walk. Levi I was a real wuss when we got him. Like, I was like, oh, boy. He's like, you go for a walk, and he's like, "Yeah." And so I just, like, tripled down on walking him by himself and, like, made him do it. I was like, come on, buddy, let's go. And I kept putting him into situations that he wasn't comfortable with and just gently but firmly making him do it. Until he got over it, and he's like a little stud now. But it that didn't come Took without work. Didn't come without me like four, five, six days a week, like getting out there and like making him do stuff that he didn't want to do. Like, like I guess raising kids. But whew, you know, it's a lot. It's a whole other ball game. Like,
0: have you ever had a dog breed where they came and you're like, this is not I can't, or not necessarily a breed, but a dog. Where it's just too far gone? Or you feel pretty confident that there's always a chance to be able to turn it around?
1: I I always have to check myself in that regard because I, I, I a lot of times I'm very encouraging. But I, I've also learned over the years with working with people that my thoughts and opinion on what can be done with that dog is through my eyes. Not that person's eyes. And so like I just had a case yesterday, a, a recently adopted dog. Um, from a shelter that is a breed that is not to be trifled with and uh tibetan mastiff and um brought into a situation with uh, you know access to an elderly gentleman and the dog is doing great other than the interaction with the gentleman and the gentleman and him were not hitting it off and they didn't need to be buddies but it's a pretty confined environment And um, a lot of, like, nervousness coming from both ends. And so...
0: This was the dog's owner or just somebody in the class?
1: This is a a home visit with, like, mediating between this newly adopted dog and this person and this other person. And saying, you know, basically, like, sitting down and chatting with them about, can this work? And the one person's like, no. And the other person's like, yeah. And I'm like, if not... If you can't both say that it can work, then I don't think it can work because we need everybody on board or else it's just going to keep getting more negative. Like dogs really feed into negativity and insecurity and they tend to just like mold to that and get worse. They, They don't always have the ability to like rise above like what humans are like putting on them emotionally. They're kind of like, okay. This is the way it's going to be then, you know. A lot of dogs are like, if you give them a lot of negative feedback, they're like, okay, I'm going to be an asshole then. We're going
0: to go to this dark yeah, place I'll together. Just, yeah,
1: and I'll I'll do more. I'll do it more and more and more. You tell me I'm I'm a bad dog, I'll be a bad dog then. Like So that's where, like, coming from, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I know you're just into positive reinforcement. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna be pretty tough on my dogs, but I'd like to focus more on, like, structure versus, like, being negative with my dogs that's where the ffa comes in yeah it's like structure their meals and their freedom the affection that you give them and use all those tools to give them like really structured life so that they're not just out of control and then you get pissed at them and then you're telling them no all the time so then my, it just reinforces one of my pet that. peeves is like just the, the no philosophy it's like i'll sit down with somebody be like what cues does your dog know they're like my dog sucks like i need your help you know what do i do what cues does your dog know? And they're like, well, no and sit. And I'm like, that's not enough communication. Your dog knows two words. That's, and they're like, oh crap. Like you're telling me literally your dog, your communications are no and sit. That's it. Your dog needs to learn a lot more words and you need to teach them a lot more words and you need to have a lot more elaborate like you know, deeper sense of communication with your dog than just two words. That's like a huge communication error issue, you know, gap. Dogs like read body language. They read tone of voice and like eye contact, all those things. That's what they feed off of. Tone, Tone of voice, body language. Those are the two major ones. So, like, in my classes and in my private lessons, I teach people how to, like, s- use an upswing tone to your voice. Be more positive. But if your dog, like, makes mistakes or does something bad, it's okay to be stern. But, like, don't hang on to that. Don't be like, no, 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 no. Like, try to show them the way to, to go, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's like teaching people tone of voice and when to use it and how to have the proper body language is not easy. <laughs> and they're like dogs love me and you get that person that's like trying to like loom over the top of a dog that's nervous and anxious and they're like no i don't love you and
0: they're just not like, getting no it. no
1: no it's okay they love me and it's like no dogs really unless they're really friendly they don't like it when you like lean over the top of them like that at all it's like first thing when i met the big guy yesterday I like he he walked up to me and I just like kind of looked at him from the side and was like super casual like was fiddling in my bag and he like came up and sniffed me kind of like you stopping when you were running like super smart a lot of people don't have that just natural instincts to like stop moving when a dog's like about to attack you or like almost prodding you to move so that they can attack you.
0: Yeah, let's go. Let's see what happens yeah.
1: here. Yeah, that's really important, and I think some people's natural instincts around animals are are there and taught and learned over time, or they're not. So yeah, I'm teaching people to have those instincts is complicated sometimes
0: i would imagine it's a lot
1: to pack into like a six week puppy course yeah get them especially for, like, where you have to focus hour. on
0: them and the dog yeah they're dogs do six weeks for just the person
1: yeah i know and then the people are like i'm coming without my dog I'm like, yeah, yeah what is this yeah I... this isn't
0: training for people is it
1: yes and then and it's really cute when people go that this is human training not dog training i'm like oh so cute it's both
0: yeah, yeah it's... we're gonna get you both where you need to be
1: definitely <laughs>
0: does that happen a lot where the dog doesn't click with the person
1: Yeah, yeah, and sometimes I just look at the combo and go,
0: it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to have that like harsh conversation with somebody. Like These are the things that I try not to be like, it's not going to work. I try to be like, this is what you are going to have to do. You're
0: going to have to work on it. And you're going to have to
1: give it a time frame and see if it'll work. And then you'll know if you can't do those things and or you give it your all and it's still not working, then maybe you're getting closer to your answer, like the hard realization that it's not going to work. There are many times when it's a poor match, and I'm like, oh, are you thinking? But it's hard to tell people that. I'm always like... Yeah, they might not take kindly to that. No, they're coming to me for solutions, not like, give your dog up, especially with so many limited resources. Like, Miranda's Rescue, they, they're like, I, I believe, you know, other than maybe some smaller... Uh, rescue groups in the area but the only like really like more established rescue in the area that will take owner relinquishments which means like the owner comes in hands in their dog says i can't handle this dog anymore and a lot of the other shelters they don't take them they take strays off the streets or they'll bring in dogs from other areas like daisy being brought up from san jose from high kill shelters that will euthanize the dog within a week if they're not deemed big. unadoptable mm. and then those lines can be so blurred of what's deemed unadoptable you know like daisy's like tied up to a telephone pole and the cops had to like rabies pull her to get her off of the pole and like into the animal control truck apparently from what i heard from jason when we did this whole reunion with them in san jose a year after i had adopted her he's like yeah well the I had her tied up, and I was trying to go get Starbucks, and the cops caught me for something I did wrong. And they had me down in the middle of the street, and they were holding me down, and Daisy was freaking out because Daisy's trained to protect me. And so then him and Daisy are, like, ripped apart traumatically. And then, of course, Daisy looks vicious and totally out of control because she's freaked out seeing her owner being, like, you know – Held to the ground by the cops. And so then, basically, from the get go, before she even arrives to the shelter, it's like phew, she's bite aggressive dog. Yeah. And they're like, even really trying to encourage the family, like, well, we can't even get her out of the kennel. We can't do this. We can't do that. So basically, what that means is Daisy spent seven days in a kennel in a shelter. Ripped from her owner. And if they feed her, if she pees or poops, if she needs water, they hose down the kennel with the dog in it because they don't feel comfortable removing the dog. So the dog gets more aggressive and they get more aggressive and more afraid and more aggressive. And so, yeah, the, the, the situation with shelters in general is not like that. But when you have a dog that's pretty friggin' scary, like, they're not going to put their staff, a lot of these staff members or even volunteer, like, at risk to be like, oh, it's cool, just walk in there. Yeah, and then the they dog's like, bit, ah. and Yeah, the dog's, like, showing you signs like Daisy was showing. I ended up, like, when I showed up to meet her for the first time, just, like, looking at her and being like, I hope this dog's bluffing. And I, like, turned and put my back to the fence and, like, stuck my hand up against the fence, like, flat. And then I just started shoving, like... My favorite dog treats lamb lung, even though it sounds disgusting, but it's just dried like lamb lung. Dogs love that shit. And I just I just shoved a little piece of it through the fence without my fingers getting in the way, and she took it. And I was like – and I remember this from the vet clinic. It's barrier aggression. Like you – when there's a barrier there, the dog acts aggressive, but as soon as you cross the threshold or the dog does, they like – they click off. So I just took a deep breath and walked in the kennel, and she's like, hey. And I was like, wow, this is barrier aggression, like to a T. Is that like a territorial thing? Yeah, it's like you're being held back. Probably started with her being tied to the owner and and being encouraged to be aggressive, or he's passed out, you know, high. Mm -hmm. And she's like protecting their stuff. And then in the shelter, when the shelters can be really stressful, people say, Well, I'm thinking about looking for a no-kill shelter for my dog because I can't take care of him anymore. I say You know, most no-kill shelters, Miranda's Rescue, even though they keep the dogs outside, it's actually a lot healthier for them mentally than being in an indoor kennel because at least they're outside with fresh air and, you know, a lot of them have access to grass or gravel, Um, but it's like, it's dog prison. I was just thinking that. I was thinking it's
0: basically the human version of, or the dog version of prison.
1: And I'm sure there's so many places out there that are doing it so well and as well as they can. They all are trying their best and they're keeping these dogs alive. That's amazing but for the owner to it's more of like focusing on the owner not the shelters the shelters aren't you know they're not the problem they're trying to just keep up with the the problem the problem is the owners thinking that or uh, fantasizing that this shelter environment is going to be better for their dog than them or them finding a home for the dog themselves you know that would be the more fair thing to do is you you take the responsibility you hang on to your dog and work with it until you can find a better home for it. Um, There's no pie in the sky, like, amazing place where dogs are frolicking free. And, like, even, like, at the best of times, like, when I first started volunteering at Miranda's, I love the way Shannon had some of these spots like big pastures like you heard you would basically like house a couple of horses together and they would be in pastures together where they would have four or five dogs together and as long as they were getting along that's better for them to be in a kennel by themselves on concrete Um, this little dog that turned out to be like the best dogs I would say like by far that we've ever had be bee was in this group setting with other dogs for about 11 months and the first day i started volunteering at the shelter i noticed her because she was just so unassuming she was the cutest little pit bull mix and she was so sweet like a little deer and um she was so gentle and i took her out for a walk and i just like instantly fell in love with her but she just spent he said yes she's been here for almost a year and i'm like why she's such a great dog like we took her home She snapped at the boys a couple of times because they were trying to sniff her. And she's like, no, don't sniff me. And then she curled up on her couch and slept for like three weeks straight. Never looked sideways at our cats. Like was fantastic. He said it was because she was just kind of like a pit bull mix. She wasn't a purebred pit, but she had some pit in her. And she would never really like come out of her little dog house because she was just kind of shy. So she never really stole anybody's heart because she was just so kind of unassuming, you know? Mm-hmm. But she was such a great dog. So I tell people if you go to the shelter, like look for those little diamonds in the rough. Like those can be some of the most fantastic dogs. Like we didn't, we didn't have to raise her, we just had to build up her confidence. She was such a great dog. She was awesome. I miss B a lot she didn't take very much work she just she was like really we were lucky because she wanted a home and she just wanted to be comfortable and cozy and she appreciated it so much you know Uh, it was good and bad being in a group setting because i think she got picked on so much that she just kind of hid and so people didn't notice her
0: yeah she was just kind of in the background but
1: she had to wait 11 months for us and i think she had it pretty good so yeah worth the wait yeah absolutely the rescue yeah. is a bad place for me to be, though, to volunteer. Cause I would then, imagine, because <laughs> you're
0: like, I'll just take them all home. Yes. <laughs> I've got space. It's okay. Yes.
1: It's hard not to do rescue work nowadays. I feel bad about it a lot of times because I did so much of it, but I just try to keep thinking in terms of, like, I'm educating and trying to prevent the the animals from going to a rescue facility. So that's you're trying a different, to stop it at the source. It's a, yeah, it's a different aspect. That's why I do so many puppy classes per year. I try to do as many as I can. Just keep back-to-back, back, over and over and over and over and over, you know, about 10 to 15 dogs per class every six weeks or so, preschool and kindergarten. So
0: you're moving through a lot of dogs.
1: A lot of dogs. Yeah, last night was like 12 in preschool, and then boom, 15 minutes, like move everything to the bigger room, and then 14 kindergartners, little maniac teenagers, and so Wednesday nights are puppy night, it's like... We're moving and it's like one to the next and um, they get different stages of training because of their age range and stuff like that. But, yeah, I try to keep those puppy classes going all year except for a couple of holidays and a vacation coming up pretty soon, thank God. One week off. (laughs)
0: good balance
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah puppies are where it's at though if if people are gonna get puppies but i also have the canaan elementary is like the adult version of classes for adult dogs of all types so i get a lot of rescue dogs that come in that don't know what the heck they're doing and their owners trying to bond with them and teach them new stuff too so that's a good thing yeah
0: yeah yeah start them young right and then you you can save yourself a bit of a headache absolutely like what do you what do you start with is it just commands like sit stay yep and then you work up to
1: keep it simple i always tell people excuse me keep it simple means like do one cue at a time and then say yes and give them a treat and their brain connects so fast if you're like look yes treat like within maybe two days they could be across the air and you go look and they're and then all of a sudden you have a dog that's, like, running to you and coming to you without you having to say come. People usually screw up the recall before they get to classes because they just start saying come before the dog even knows what the hell it means. And they'll do it, like, f- from a mile away. Not a mile, but the dog's, like, far enough. for me, I'm, like, do it five feet away and lure them to you with food and then say yes and give it to them. Come. Treat. Over and over and over. Pretty soon, 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet. They don't know distance at first. They call it the three Ds of dog training is distance, distraction, and duration. So distance is like how far away. Um, Distraction is like, well, at home. "Um, He does it at home. I said, I believe you. But there's not 12 other puppies at yeah, home. we're not at home anymore. Yeah, we're at the Veterans Building, and there's echoing, and there's, like, all these smells, and there's people and dogs and barking and chaos. And um, you can desensitize them to that, though, so that you could take your dog to a barbecue or to the beach or on vacation with you or just walk them down the street, and they won't freak out over everything. And then, like, duration is the time frame. So, like, you know, I start out with these dogs, like, in the they'll be in the front of the classroom as a puppy in a crate while I'm training classes because they don't have the ability to stay. They don't know how to stay. So they're just taking it all in in their crate. But over the period of, like, now Rose is four, I say stay. And I walk all around. I can leave the room. I can do this, that, and the other. And she's just staying on her bed. But that takes time and, like, work work, and consistency on the three Ds over time. Like, keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And also praising it not setting the bar too high and, like, having them fail. It's like – it's not college. It's like preschool.
0: Yeah, you gotta start with the basics mm-hmm. and work up. Yeah, I can see people getting frustrated. Like, oh, it's not happening fast enough.
1: Yeah, they get frustrated easily. And then the dogs do weird things. It's like talking about pot- potty training last night. Don't rub their nose in it. If you find it down the hallway. That's so funny.
0: That's what I was always told was, oh, you gotta, you gotta, if they shit in the house, you just rub their nose in it yeah. and then you take them outside.
1: What happens is they, they just, the next time they need to go potty, all they connect in their little brain is, they got really mad the last time I went potty, so they get weirder and weirder about what they do. They'll just start hiding, going down the hallway, going behind the couch. They get all freaked out. Some dogs will get it with negative reinforcement, but a lot of dogs won't, and make it way way harder. And not, but I, and I do the human analogy. I'm like, a lot of you have kids, so if your little kid is like six months old and they poop in their diaper, are you gonna rub their nose in it and tell them no, and then put them on a, on a on an adult's toilet, and they're like? Like think of that, like their age and, and a baby or a, a, a toddler and having to like give your toddler a piece of candy because they use the little potty and stuff like that. Like po- people say that all the time, like, yeah, this is like just like positive reinforcement with my toddler. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's the same mindset, the same age range. No, dogs aren't kids, but the same stuff works. Little treat, little yes. They start gravitating more and more towards being good.
0: So with potty training, what would you do? Would you just take them outside and then give them a treat and say
1: yeah first of all crate train your dog because they don't know not to go in the house don't use potty pads like potty pads if you like if you put that up to your face it feels like fabric it feels like blankets rugs carpet so you're actually teaching your dog not only that it's okay to go inside the house but that they should gravitate towards a square soft fabric item so it's There's acclimation a house. to a surface, yeah. And I actually like use them in classes and use. Oh, I have like, I have like boxes and boxes of them because people bring them in all shameful and like, here, take them because I use them to clean up messes in class, after convincing them not to use them anymore. Um, crate training teaches the dog to hold their potty. They if, won't
0: go in the crate
1: if it's not too big. If your puppy came from a puppy mill where they were in, it stuck in a crate. And and in a bad situation, they were forced to have to pee and poop in their crate. There's something wrong there. If your puppy's peeing and pooping and walking in it and stomping in it, you should look at where they started their life in squalor, possibly, most likely. But most puppies that were raised properly, they will start – they gravitate away from uh, messing their bed. You know, They don't want to mess up their environment, their den.
0: Because then they're stuck in it.
1: Yeah. So having a crate just big enough for them to like – be able to like whimper and vocalize when they have to go out like at night and for short periods of time during the day. You don't want to use a crate for too long, obviously. You know, they shouldn't be in it for during the day for longer than like three or four hours when they're a baby like that. I, I think a maximum of five hours is fair. You need to get home and change your lifestyle or change the way you manage your dog if you're gonna be gone for long in that. I've had some people that will admittedly say, like, yeah, my dog's in a crate for eight or eight hours. I'm like, that's too long at during the day. At night when they're sleeping and you're there and you can hear them if they have to go, that's one thing. Most dogs can hold it all night and they get a nice cozy crate. They're not being harmed by being in a crate in your bedroom sleeping at night. But during the day, that's too long.
0: To be cooped up like that, To yeah. be cooped
1: up, yeah. Then you just get all kinds of other issues. But like nothing compares to just going out with your dog and like patting your leg and saying, let's go potty and having them – go to the door where you want them to go out to, teach them to go and then take a treat or two or even just piece of kibble out of your pocket and say yes, good potty. So they only they learn the words after you repeat it and if you keep it positive with those words, unless it's like no or leave it or off for jumping or ow, if they're biting you. Those are like the negative terms but the rest should be like
0: positive, positive.
1: yeah, because they totally feed off tone of voice. If you're like rose come here she's gonna be like i don't think that's a good idea you sound pissed yeah, off i don't know bad. if i should go next to you yeah exactly yeah oh rose rose is tooting over here she's, <laughs> it's not she's me it's time. it's rose yeah she's, she's having a good time she's back in the rem state and and uh, yeah that happens with these bostons sometimes that's
0: all part of the fun though you know yeah. what are you gonna do <laughs> um Jen, we could we've done 3 hours. I don't know if you have Nice. I, I don't know That's if you have awesome. somewhere to be or anything. Um
1: <laughs> Just to feed the horse. <laughs>
0: thank you for the awesome
1: the awesome sake. Oh, you're welcome. Gin Ginjo sake? Gin, ginjo? Ginjo? Yeah, ginjo jun, Junmai gin, Ginjo, I think. Ginjo I'm probably sake, messing it up too. I definitely
0: recommend people go out and try that cuz it was Really good. That was a great introduction June, to sake. The June
1: my version is nice. That and there's go-to. so many different yeah, it's my favorite. When you get hot sake at the Japanese restaurant, it's usually like the low grade. It's like the box of franzia like version yeah. of sake yeah um but yeah most sake should be served cold so put that sucker yeah, in I'll the fridge that, yeah. or put a little ice cube in it later you'll like it even more probably okay, i'll have to try that yes that was awesome and, um, the, and the crystal should hopefully bring you yeah, I was gonna ask, positive energy we,
0: is there anything behind that thank you for the awesome crystal and the cat by the way well, it's a
1: quartz geode i got from chapman's gem there. and mineral shop and I think everybody should have them in their space. And I took that out of my collection. I feel like it's I, – I don't know. I prefer instead of just going and shopping for them to like – Give somebody something, somebody, some things you do crystals to help them because they're supposed to be cleansing for your space. Is that, um, well, first I didn't I didn't have time to go to the ocean, which I love. It when I get really crystal nerd, like I will take a handful of crystals to the beach or to running water, creeks, rivers are fantastic, and actually cleanse them with the water. But then, so what I did, I just rinsed it off in the old sink. Oh, that counts. But I put it out in the sun. So what sunlight does is it like re- it regenerates whatever negative energy, toxins or, you know, emotions or whatever is going through the area, the crystals are supposed to absorb that energy, take it away from the atmosphere and take it on, but they need to be recharged. So recharging them with sunlight and that's my, I, it's something I always do before I give somebody a crystal. Like you
0: recharge it. Yeah,
1: it's, it doesn't have any of our, our Campio Casa juju on it anymore. It's yours now. Okay, so, so I'll have
0: to put it in some sunlight eventually so that it can get cleansed yeah, again. Yeah, you
1: know, the more people you have in the world, the more difficult stuff that'll you discuss. That'll be good, I'm
0: sure. I've had some guests on that could that could be cleansed, and I'm sure I'll have more on in the future. And so that'll be a good It's fully charged right now. I'll just, I'll just right start now. scooting it closer to them. Yeah,
1: so if you like have a tough uh, a tough session with somebody, yeah. it'd be like... Mm. We're going to bust this thing yeah. Yeah, we need to set you over in the sun for a bit, or yeah. take it on a little trip to the beach with Boost you one the day. Power.
0: Yeah, and then you, you wash it. Do you have to wash it in the? Ocean, is that like a recharging thing no, too? It's just more just like the initial
1: the extra awesomeness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ours had a little dust on it, you know, a little like I said, a little Campeo dust. Crystals are great though. And I love Chapman's. If you ever get down, just pat... it's between Fortuna and Rio Dell.
0: Yeah, I drive past it. It's like I don't the uh,
1: they're, the guys in there are incredible too. I mean, you could point to anything and they could give you like the full like tch, You know, legit version of, like, exactly what every crystal meaning. If you look up quartz crystals, though, like, quartz are just a really good, like, general cross-the-board, like, good energy crystal, so... And lucky cats are just awesome. Like, I've got one here, which oh yeah yeah. lucky cats are just good stuff you know well, they bring you money or and I, and you'll have to look it up i can't remember right paw or left paw there's different meanings okay yeah like there's money i think or happiness a lot of the places in japan and stuff like that they have the one and i again i can't remember which arm i'm not going to pretend to be the the pro but is uh wealth or money versus power or happiness or something like that so i just picked that guy randomly for you well
0: that's awesome <laughs> yeah thank you that is so cool i'm a i'm excited you're welcome I think that adds to the space absolutely we'll have to keep them there yeah, fill it up with yeah i know i'm gonna have to start cool adding stuff. stuff to the table now definitely
1: we'll set the bar now if yeah we need to start bringing you better yeah gifts. now
0: i'm gonna start looking at guests like okay what <laughs> what did you bring yeah. yeah well
1: this is my day off so i wanted to have fun
0: yeah i'm glad <laughs> thank you so much for coming on i really i had a great time talking with you
1: absolutely anytime
0: yeah we'll we'll definitely have to get you back we'll have to finish up some more soccer. that sounds
1: good oh yeah um
0: do you want to plug where people can find you where they can find your oh, canine
1: training redwood coast canine academy i know i'm not easy to... to get a hold of these days that's the biggest issue have a little
0: patience we're gonna a get patience, there
1: little um, patience you know people that are committed to, to waiting and seeing it through also looking ahead um, I just got the website revamped and updated it was a little archaic so I had the guy working on it and we had some snags like my personal calendar being uploaded versus my work calendar so we, we worked through that stuff a little hitch I'll be updating and starting some really fun new stuff like the elementary hiking version of class we'll be doing some hiking classes in August and puppy preschool and kindergarten rotate every six to seven weeks all year long uh, and hopefully be offering some classes in the fall on the weekends some of my shorter three-week courses like Back to Basics and Canine Fundamentals which is a clicker class out at the ranch at Ferndale again so um, yeah I'll try to keep updating that website and anybody who's having behavioral issues with their dogs the best way is to email me at Canine k and the number nine at gmail.com but i've got my instagram is redwood coast canine and facebook same thing and you can see all the pictures of everybody having a great time and all the dogs and that i work with and you'll see some horse pictures and chicken and dog pictures and you know cat pictures too so i integrate a little bit of uh the personal life in there as well
0: awesome yeah all right well jenna you're awesome thank you for doing this thank rose you. thanks for tagging along yeah, rose is ready it. for a break all right <laughs> thank you thank you thanks guys